right, everybody, we welcome you in. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410, Wing AM. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. Ooh. Are you one of those wait-to-the-last-minute guys? To, uh... No, no, I hate waiting to the last minute, man. I, my brother is. I am. You know how that works. <laughs> so my brother is, so if he is, that means I am because I have to go with him to do Christmas shopping. Obviously, he's not coming all the way from Las Vegas. To Ohio for Christmas year, year, so he's nagging me on the phone like, "Hey, what should I get this one? Who's what's uh grandma's address? What's Aunt Jerry's address? He don't know anybody's address, so I got to dig up people's addresses to send to him so he can send gifts this year. So I'm still being harassed. Yeah, well, either way, I'm gonna wait till the, literally the last second, like I always do, and I always knock it out of the park. Oh goodness, what's your go-to gift when you're like in a time a crunch? I don't know. I don't like to get people just. I hate giving giving people gift cards. Ugh, like, that's lazy. Ugh. That's lazy. Nora gets so mad at me. She goes, just get a gift card and yes. be done with it. I'm like, but that, but that's lazy. What that says is, here, I, I was thinking about you when I was in the checkout line at Walmart and decided to just get you this gift card that was you know, four Red Lobster gift cards. Yeah, that's a good gift. Now, I also have this thing about buying other people gift cards because when I get them a gift card like Red Lobster or something, I'm like, damn, I'd love to go to Red Lobster. <laughs> So there. Gift cards are great, man. Like, I, I've never been a person. I like to buy practical gifts, gifts that people are actually going to use. So I was always big, like, especially when my cousins, like, first, like, got their cars and stuff like that. Hey, I'm buy you a gas card. Put some gas in your car. Here's, a, like, an air pump. Like, practical gifts that you're going to use. An air pump? Yeah. yeah. Who the hell says, man, I'm so glad Kev got me this air pump. What did when I you, do to him? When you catch that flat on the highway, you will be. You know what? Don't get me anything for Christmas, Kev. I don't know if you were, but please just keep your air pump at home. How about that? All Good right. Part. We welcome you into the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. We are Dayton's home of the Ohio State Buckeyes in Ohio State. For what, like, so I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, usually during Michigan week, I actually spoke with Jim Tressel earlier today. I get to sound like I'm pumping my chest. I get to sound cool. Usually every week, every year, we have him on during Michigan week. Mm-hmm. And I had shot him a note just to say, hey, you know, this year, obviously, with the, with the game being canceled, we're going to push his, you know, he's going to come on with us here in a few weeks when we get closer to, to the playoff game and everything. And he said, honestly, he goes, it didn't even feel like Ohio State, Michigan week. And I was like, maybe that's why I'm not the most bummed about the game being canceled itself. Now, again, if Michigan's a top 10 team and we know how good Ohio State is, maybe I'd be more bummed then. I guess I'm just not that bummed that we're not going to get to watch a team that is a 30-point favorite go up against that team up north. Mm-hmm. It just it, And on top of that, I'll tell you what, the week, you know, Thanksgiving week, that's the week where I really noticed yeah. that we, that game wasn't being played the where, where it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think on top of the fact that it's not being played in its normal slot, on top of the fact that Ohio State was a 30-point favorite, on top of the fact that college football just seems very weird right now, it just feels like they are trying to sprint to the finish line at all costs. Like they're exhausted, they're tired. Hey, do you want a water? No, I'm good. I'm just trying to get to the finish line. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the – that's kind of what football's doing right now. Yeah. And I guess that's why it just – you know, I agree with them. It does not feel – like, it just doesn't feel like it was ever Ohio State-Michigan week. And I think because we started getting getting a little inkling last week that this matchup probably wasn't going to happen with the with the reports coming out to some of the outbreaks that were starting to happen on Michigan's campus. It hasn't felt like college football all season for me. Um, college football is my favorite sport. I look forward to it every single year. You know, with the magazines that we get, we get to talk to Phil Steele, all this type of stuff, all this hype going into the season. You get, you know, your preseason reports and everything like that. All the, the new freshmen coming in, they get the stripe off their helmet, everything, all, everything, everything was just 
truncated. Everything was taken away. It, it started to stop. Started to stop. Some people kept going. Some people stopped. Uh, we're going to have a season. We're not going to have a season. Uh, we're going to start a season halfway through the season. So everything has just been a, a blob. And then you got people opting out. Um, you got other players playing half the season. Then once all their goals are thrown out the window because they lost too many games, they're opting out. So you're not seeing like the upsets you're not seeing like you know Bama going on a road to Mississippi State and them coming back in the fourth quarter with all the Cowboys and everything like that. I am a college football fanatic. I love college football. I watch Tuesday night matching, but this year I really just been like a average football fan. I wouldn't even say college football fan. I would jump into the big quote unquote high profile games, watch that, and that's it. That's not my normal. My normal is a Saturday, go do a pregame with you guys get home and just veg out on college football all day and intake as much college football as I could. But I just really haven't had that big desire to. So really only games I've really been watching from beginning to end is Ohio state football. And outside of that Indiana game, all the games have been boring by yeah. the halftime. Let me ask you. So we've, we've asked the, this, the question before, has this season been fun for you as a fan? Four five seven nine four six four. Has this season been fun for you as a fan? Have you enjoyed this season? Now, again, we could sit here and say, well, it's going to be a memorable one. We'll never forget this season. I don't think we'll ever forget this season, but it's not going to bring us a lot of joy. Um, has this been fun? Have you enjoyed the college football season at all? Do you still look forward to Saturdays? For me, it's one of those where it's Saturday, there's games on the tube, great. Um, but there's really, I'm not sprinting to the TV to watch a game. Mm -hmm. I'm not checking my, the scores religiously like I do right. in a normal year. Um, there are select teams I'm keeping an eye on just that impact Ohio State. None of them in the Big Ten, of course. Always teams like Clemson, Alabama when they play, Notre Dame when they play. And then, you know, Cincinnati has definitely been intriguing to me this year for obvious reasons. Um, but we've asked before, is the season, has the season been fun for you, the fan? But we've never asked this, Kev. If you are a player... Has this been fun? Has it been worth it? If you can, because keep in mind, remember Justin Fields, remember Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of the season, the hashtag we want to play. We want to play. We want a choice. We want to be able to decide on our own if we get to play or not. Um, I'm curious if you got them to give you an honest answer, what that honest answer would be. How, do you think that the players have enjoyed themselves? Is it worth it to them? What do you think on that? If I had to guess, I would say... They, they're playing because they have to. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be honest. They Oh, you have a choice to play. You, you didn't have a choice. You had a choice to play, but you you didn't. Look how quickly we forget. We move on, we forget. Like, you know, you're replaced easily. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are a player that was a little nervous to play this year, and even a star player, and someone comes in, takes your spot, plays well, underclassmen, you ain't getting that spot back. So a lot of players play just to be able to keep their foot in the door because mm -hmm. things can change so quickly. So to me, if I believe if you polled 100 players, how many of those 100 players from various universities, even the good ones, like how many Ohio State players do you think have enjoyed this year? How many times do you think how many players do you think would say, "Man, I've really enjoyed going through hell and back during <laughs> the week during practice." You know how physical football yeah. is. Uh, you know how tiring it could be. Even if it's not physical during the week in practice, at this point of the year, you're not really, you know, you're not hitting too often. Um, but it's still tiresome. It's still exhausting. No one enjoys the conditioning part of football. But you're doing all of that basically just to hope to play. How about Cincinnati? He hasn't played in weeks. 
Their next game's canceled. So they have to wait till another week. I mean, like, how, how do you, are these kids having fun? I don't think that they are. You want to know what the best part of football is? Is you know why you're going through hell during practice that, oh, man, it's all going to be worth it on Friday night if you're in high school. If you're in college, man, Saturday, you know, this is hell, but it's going to be worth it, man, running out into the shoe, 100 plus, you know, 110,000 people. You, it's worth it. You know, the NFL Sunday, you know, it's all, but when you have no fans in the stands, you have no clue if you're going to play. Half your team's not playing, or some of your teammates are going to be out because they're decimated because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Your coach isn't on the sideline half the time in Ryan Day or Nick <laughs> Saban or whoever. You know, Trevor Lawrence, your star quarterback's out. These kids aren't having fun. And the reason I bring this up is, how about this, Kevin? We're going to get to your calls in a second. Four five seven nine four six four. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Boston College is the first school to decline a bowl invite. Boston College says it will not participate in a bowl game, becoming the first bowl-eligible team to announce it would not play in the postseason. Boston College has officially ended its season. They're done. They're 6-5. and It's five ACC wins are the most since 2009. So congratulations, by the way, to Jeff Halfley, who Mm -hmm. immediately made an impact um, with Boston College right off the bat. So I bring this up because of the quote that he has here that I find very interesting. For them to stay healthy and stay away from COVID, it took more out of them than anybody has any idea, Halfley said on a Zoom call with reporters. They're worn out. As we look now with other teams continuing to battle COVID, it's getting worse. And for us to go through three weeks of practice, continue to stay healthy, continue to stay away from our families, and then not know if the bowl game is even going to really happen? Are we going to miss Christmas with our families and then be told on the 25th that we're finally not going to play? I... My whole, this article, when it came out, it really got me thinking. It got my motor going. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, you know what? It's true. We sit here and say, oh, the poor fans. Oh, poor fans. Man, the fans have looked forward to this all week. So I take back what I said about Joe Clatt the other day when he said he was heartbroken for the players. Because you know what? It is. Yeah. It's, it, it is heartbreaking for them. For us, the fans, you know what? Oh, man, we can't watch Ohio State Michigan on Saturday. Well, that's fine. We get to watch Alabama. We get to watch other team. I mean, they're not our team. We'll, we'll still get we'll to be entertained. On. We'll find something else to entertain us. We have smartphones. We have iPads. We have, you know, laptops. I mean, trust me, there's there's plenty for us to do, even during a time where we're told to stay home. There's plenty for us to do. The players, man, my, that's where my sympathy goes out to them. Even when you play, it's not. it doesn't even feel like you're rewarded. It just feels like, oh, man, finally, we, we you know, we get to play. Like, I don't know. This this got me thinking. But So, again, if you're just tuning in, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Boston College becomes the first bowl-eligible program to decline a bowl invite, they end their season at six and five. Jeff Halfley, again, former uh, part of the you know Ohio State's uh, coaching staff from, from years past, now the head coach there, turned the program around. Mm-hmm. Turned the program around, we, but you see what I mean? Like made an instant impact. The program was immediately better with him running the show. But that quote from him was unbelievable. He said, "For for them to stay healthy and stay away from COVID, it took more out of them than anybody has any idea." And I agree. The mental strain, by the way. The not knowing. I mean, Ryan Day talked about it during, you know, many times during his um, pressers when he says he can't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. He literally, this has been the most miserable last three months. He didn't use the word miserable, but the stressful three months because every morning he wakes up, oh man, what are those tests going to be? Think about if you were a player. You almost feel like if you test positive, like you let your team down and you've done nothing wrong. I know for us here, I know if I've tested, you know, positive and we in this whole building has to shut down or something like I will feel miserable that I am the reason why, you know, we have to all go home and but 
that that's just a natural instinct. These players mm-hmm. feel the same because of the why the fans. The fans are counting on you. Yeah. Your family's counting on you to watch you. Your teammates are counting on you. And then to find out, oh man, Kenner tested positive. Now we can't play this weekend. Whether it's your fault or not, you are still going to feel that weight on your shoulders. And that's the unfortunate part about all this. The mental strain that these athletes are going through, not just the, the players, but the coaches. When Ryan Day says he can't sleep at night, I, I truly believe. You could hear it in his voice. He's exhausted. These coaches look miserable. Nick Saban's aged 10 years. <laughs> all right. You know, Dabo aged 10 years. Ryan Day, him and Urban Meyer are the same age now. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah, I feel I, bad for him. I feel bad for all the players, and especially like the guys that opted back in, um, like the Rondell Moores and the Rashad Batemans. Sean know. Wade hurt his draft stock. Yeah. Like, I I don't think he's a first-rounder anymore. Yeah. No, it's not a first-rounder. He rounder was a anymore. first-rounder until he came back, and I, I'm not taking the shot by guy fans. Don't get mad at me. I don't think he's a first-rounder anymore. Yeah, I mean, you look at all those things, all those things that's put on the table. I think it's going to be worth it to the team that comes out with the national championship. I think those are the only people that's going to be happy. You know, I think there are situations where, you know, you can get to the Final Four and play your heart out and you just end up losing. The better team wins. Kind of like how, you know, last year Clemson, they had an epic game versus Ohio State and they got to the championship game and Clemson uh, lost to LSU. There's no harm in that. You know what I'm saying? The better team won. That's fine. But in a situation like this, I think the whoever makes it to the championship game and loses, they're going to be devastated. All, all, all the teams that don't make it, all the teams that make it to the college football playoff, there's only going to be one team standing. That's the only person that's going to be happy. Everybody else is going to feel like they wasted their time, they wasted everything. Like like you said, Sean Wade could have sat on last year's outstanding season, outstanding defense, and just basically trained this entire season for the NFL draft and potentially would have been a top-round pick. Now everybody's questioning, like, well, can he cover in space? Can he cover a uh, legit receiver on the outside is he a slot corner is he just a safety like we don't know so all these things now are just being up in the air so the only way to make all this worth it the only way to make this season and all the hell that these guys have been through is to win a national championship and that goes for ohio state clemson notre dame alabama all the teams that are right there on the cuffs of making it to the college football playoff the only way this season is worth it is if they win a national championship so I asked, has this season been enjoyable for you, the fans? Do you think it's been enjoyable for the players? Uh, Ann Anderson on Facebook, she says, memorable, yes. Enjoyable, not really. She goes, try, uh, she goes, try to work my... Uh Try to work my routine around college football only to have what I had scheduled canceled. (laughs) I've asked myself every day, why are we having any sports this year at all? Is it worth the risk? Too much risk, not much uh, reward um, when it comes to that. So I I do... Well, look, first of all, I don't think that the sky is falling in regards... I mean, we're getting games in, Mm -hmm. but to Ann's point, at the risk of what? It's what pain. It's just painful. Because I think at the beginning, we wanted it so bad. And then it's like, but I knew this was going to happen. I'm like, football is, I mean, think about how physical it is. And it wasn't cold yet. Back, you know, back when we were the hashtag, we want to play. I mean, hashtag, we want to play. It sucks when you go, I hate bye weeks for one as a fan. How do you think players feel? Man, we got to practice for two weeks with no game. That's a whole, that's a half a month. Mm -hmm. You're going, some some are going three weeks. When's the last time Cincinnati played? I feel like it was around Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Like what? I think, I think, was it the win over UCF? That seems like ages ago. Like, that that's the thing. I mean, how miserable are they? Again, they love this. Well, it's, you know, it's 
They're enjoying themselves. That's what this is what they live for. Stop. Just starting and stopping isn't going to help them out any. You know what I'm saying? If they had any inkling of getting to the college football playoff, just starting and stopping isn't going to help them. I don't think there's a situation that anybody could, could believe that UC is going to come out next week firing on all cylinders versus Tulsa. Like, they haven't been playing for four weeks. They yeah. haven't played in four weeks, man. Like, they're going to be off. Like, sports aren't meant to be played like this, you know. There are, you're supposed to get your rhythm and play on a weekly basis in, in football. And in, and in basketball, you're supposed to play, especially in college basketball, like every three to four days, you're supposed to have a game. So all this starting and stopping, man, is it, not good for the visual purpose. It's not good for their learning curve on the court. It's just bad for everybody involved. And it's, it's a slug to get through the season. I understand why we're doing this. I understand there's a lot of money involved, not only for the institutions of higher learning, but, you know, jobs for everybody involved. It, it's just a slug, and you got to take your hats off to everybody involved to try to make this season happen, especially the players, because those are one, those are the people that are out there actually playing. And, I mean, at the end of the day, they did want to play, but – I don't know if, if they would have t- been told that this was the season that they were going to have to go through. I don't know how many people would have signed up for it. So it's the 10th, the last time Cincinnati was out on, stepped foot out on the football field, at least for to kick off a game, November 21st. Goodness gracious. November 21st. So it was before Thanksgiving. <laughs> so Thanksgiving, by the way, feels like ages ago. It's only a few weeks ago, but it seems like forever ago. And that's just for us who don't have to run and hit and tackle and, you know, do all that miserable conditioning stuff that they have to do. And that's just Cincinnati. I'm just saying. 457-9464. Let's go to the phones. We have Mike. Mike, how are you? Hello, guys. Hey. What do you got for us? Hey, oh, listen. It's not the same. I agree. It's just absolutely not. It doesn't have that atmosphere. I haven't watched a college football game all season. And I will not go to a UD basketball game this season. Of course, I don't have to tell you why. Uh, I would rather be bored and alive than excited and dead. You'd rather be what? I would rather be bored and alive than excited and dead. Oh. I mean, I mean watch going to a sporting event or watching one on TV, it, it just, uh, uh, well, I won't go to us. You can't get it by watching it on TV. But I, I, no, I'm not going to go to any sporting events, maybe not even next year either. Oh, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about when will people feel comfortable. I mean, there's going to be some that are, like, right at the door right now saying, you know what, I'm ready to get to a game now. But then there's going to be some that even when they're told, hey, we can get, you know, at least, like, at UD Arena, maybe next year. Like, I don't believe that we'll be at full capacity at UD Arena next year either. I think it's going to be slow. I, I, I could see eight to maybe seven to 8,000 fans, to, you know, spread people out. But, but it, you know. even if you get inoculated, it's going to take a while for this thing to, 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 uh, to, to fully inoculate you from catching it anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to just... You know, and you got to get two doses. You can't just get one. So, so, so you're not enjoying the season. Uh, <laughs> so, listen, I've got a ton of boxing DVDs that keeps me active, so I don't care. Well, I mean, I'm amazed that you're watching DVDs. I mean, you, you, I guess you can get ESPN Classic. They always have some good boxing stuff on there. Well, not like they used to. No, that's true. I don't get ESPN Classic anyway. I, uh, my cable company dropped them, so. YouTube TV, man, that's where it's at. Well, uh, yeah, well, I don't have a computer or anything like that. I'm computer challenged. But here's <laughs> the thing. Um, I, I wanted to call, talk a little bit about the Seahawks. <laughs> okay. Um why are they losing? Why are they playing on the level of their opposition, and why are they losing to teams that they shouldn't be losing to? Well, 
I normally would say this: the Giants are playing really good football right now. I know on paper it looks like that's a bad loss, but the Giants have improved mightily over the last couple of weeks. But, Mikey, they were never a complete football team to begin with. That defense is what's always made them vulnerable. That defense. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, but you're sitting, so you're just telling me a glaring hole with this team. So to be that surprised that they're vulnerable each week, I mean, that's why. I know. Well, but I have One week they look like they got it figured out. Like, yeah. you know, they had Carlos Dunlap. The pass rush looked like it improved. And it was like, okay, they have just enough defense to match what they could do uh, with Metcalf and with Russell Wilson. They have enough there. Uh, and then last week it looked like, you know, both sides didn't show up. So. Well, I'm just frustrated because, you know, it just seems like when, and now they're playing um, uh, 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 the Jets this Sunday, right? Yep, that's what everyone needs. That's a good hangover game. Well, <laughs> it, it could, if you, once, we, once we look at their new, uh, Jets' new uh, uh, record, it could be 1-10. and 10. I mean, that's just the way the Seahawks are playing. I don't know. I still think they got a better and even chance in the playoffs. Well, I think, I mean, look, this is that weird time of year where they're t- they've been playing good football all year. I think right now, this is why teams like the Browns and why teams who have been on the chase all year who have been trying to figure it out, that's why they're starting to play better. And teams like the Seahawks and Steelers and Tampa and teams like that who got out to hot starts, that's why they've kind of mellowed out a bit. It's they've, yeah. You know what I mean? They've kind of peaked. So where teams who are starting to figure it out are getting better and kind of passing. The well, Seahawks well, need to figure it out. Though. I want to submit this to you guys. I want your opinion, okay. both of you. When they got rid of when they let Richard Sherman go, though, he was the glue that held that team together. He t- they went from uh, a, a Super Bowl team to I think just a playoff team. What do you guys think? Well, I think when Russell Wilson got his money, that's when this team. Be, but that's not a shot at Russell Wilson. That's just how the NFL works. It was easy to have a high-powered defense when you didn't have all your money invested in your quarterback. I mean, that's why the Packers, they won a Super Bowl because they didn't have as much money invested in Aaron Rodgers. Now all the money's there. They can't get, get a lot of pieces. They don't have the revenue to do it. So yeah. I just think that's what it, they're going to have to find the perfect balance. Russell Wilson's good enough to, to do it, but it's going oh, to great. take a lot of work on defense. But, he, but even this year, he's not been as good as he has been in previous years, though. Uh, he started out hot, uh, but he's turned into a turnover machine the last couple yes. of years. Right, right. Uh, listen, two more things. I ordered a DVD the other uh, last week. Uh, do you guys uh, uh, did you guys ever see uh, uh, ESPN uh, Birch Randolph Sugar's top ten heavyweight champions? I have. Oh, you have. Yes. Oh. Okay. I ordered that. I finally found it. I couldn't. I I, I talked. To, I don't know how many people, and they never had, could get it. But I finally found it, and I ordered it. Holmes was number ten. Foreman, 9, Frazier, 8, uh, Ezra Charles, 7, Marciano, 6, Gene Tunney, 5th, Dempsey, or Jack Johnson, 4th, Dempsey, 3rd, Ali, 2nd, and Lewis, 1st. What do you guys think of that? Um, I think uh, Lennox Lewis was a great fighter, but I just couldn't put him number one. I don't think I could do that. Um, I did want to talk on the Legion of Boom um, for the Seahawks. Yep. Uh, the, you know, you got to think about this. Cam Chancellor retired. Brandon Brower retired. Earl Thomas not in the NFL. Richard Sherman hurt. Like that's what happens in the NFL. You're not young forever. You know what I mean? So not only were those guys real good football players, but they were real good on the, their second contracts in the NFL when you're at your prime peak. Mm-hmm. You know, you you and I go back and forth about the rookie contracts and everything like that. You're right, but also what's right is once those guys got older. They weren't able to replace them with that same caliber of player. And that's why their defense isn't any good anymore. That's why they gave up basically everything underneath the sun to try to get their defense back to respectability by going out there and getting Jamal Adams. And Jamal Adams has been hurt. 
and that then they made a trade for Dunlap. Dunlap's made a couple splash plays, but that defense has been overhauled twice since they were the Legion of Boom, and they haven't been able to find that right combination of players, especially on that back end. Those That back end was crazy with Cam Chancellor back there roaming, blowing people up, and then you had Earl Thomas making interceptions all over the place. You had lockdown corner of Richard Sherman, who's now with the Niners and hurt and everything like that. Like That's just how it goes. That's the NFL. All right, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash here on 1410 ESPN Radio. The number to call, 457-9464. Again, opening up Boston College. I can't believe we're opening up with a Boston College story, but no, it did lead to me actually thinking from a different perspective. You know, we always talk about us, the fans. Oh, man, how has this been for you? How is this impacting you? How about the players? And I know some of our listeners have kids who play college athletics, and I'm going to, I feel more, I feel bad for the college, for the kids who play college athletics, Kev, not so much those who play high school. Keep in mind, how many. Like, I'm not saying COVID hasn't impacted high school teams. I mean, like, Northmont had their season come to an end because of it. But, like, high school got a ton of games. I mean, for one, they crowned state champions all over the place. But, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was like you had games canceled all over the place like what you're seeing in college in the NFL. Obviously, testing, not having, you know, teams test is why you're getting more of those games in. I mean, think about how many football games would have gotten in this year had they not had to provide all the, the tests. And, right. you know, the only reason that virus is out there is because you test positive, right? Like, that, <laughs> that was the mindset. So, no, but in all seriousness, this it's like i don't feel as bad for the high schoolers who get to play still like college it's like every day they have to wake up man am i gonna test am i gonna test negative am i gonna test negative am i gonna test negative like that has to be so stressful for three months of that three months straight of man i hope i I hope i don't test positive i'm out for three weeks or i have to force my team to miss two to three weeks like that's miserable that's a miserable way to live the last three months it's just you know i i think that those players if you ask them if they give you a true honest answer i think they're all ready for this season to end Mm -hmm. i think that they some like justin fields and others who could see light at the end of the tunnel being the playoff they're like okay you know we've gone through hell and back to get to this point to finally get there let's just get there but I guarantee you, when you ask the majority of these players when the season's over, you glad it's oh, we're very glad it's over. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're glad it's over. And think about it. We're just starting college basketball. About to start back up with the NBA. Like, if you thought coronavirus was done killing sports, so you ain't seen nothing yet. NBA players, they play back-to-back games. I mean, you're going to be on airplanes. You're going to be staying in hotels. You're going to be in places you haven't been. Like, there's a lot of contact going on between people that you've never seen before. Like, it's one thing to be inside of a bubble. You know, these people are being tested every day. They're not letting people in. That's not – the world is in a bubble. Pro pro sports don't scare me as much because they they have the means and resources to get it because they're all under one governing body. Right. Like, college basketball is an absolute mess right now. We're talking about college football. If you enjoyed the season – it's hard to really... I've had a friend of mine who's a big UD fan that said, I just can't... You know, they're three games in and has nothing to do with them not being as exciting as last year. He just said, it, it's just... It doesn't feel right. Like, we feel lucky to even get a game in. And then when the game ends, well, we play Saturday. We hope. And if you don't play this Saturday, right. you won't play again until the following Saturday. Maybe. I mean, teams are shutting down for two weeks at a time. Gonzaga, the number one team in the country, is not even practicing right mm-hmm. now. So... And then they're so desperate to get yep. games in, they go play a game without practicing. And then and when they, they lose, trash. then when they lose, they're like, "Oh, look, you lost to Marshall. Oh, well, oh, look, you're horrible. Oh, because you know nothing." Anyway, we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kidder Show with Kev Nash next. This Saturday morning, 10 a.m., it'll be the Talking Out Loud Dayton Flyers pregame show. Dayton Flyers, Mississippi State, a noon tip-off. 
Sully will be live at Timothy's Bar and Grill starting at 10 a.m., 10 to 11.30 for, of course, the Talking Out Loud Dayton Flyers pregame show. Sully will join us coming up here later on in the show uh, in hour number three. Uh, we'll get the latest on what he's hearing about the Dayton Flyers coming up here momentarily. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. We opened up the show with reaction to uh, a program that we're, you know, we don't really care about Boston College, but I do think that it did set the tone for what we could expect to see Moving forward, Boston College uh, has basically passed on an invite to a bowl. Uh, they are the first bowl-eligible team to decline an invite to a respective bowl here in the next coming weeks. And their season's officially over. Boston College ends the season at 6-5. and five. Its five ACC wins are its most since 2009. Of course, Jeff Halfley taken over this past offseason and uh, well already making his impact be felt. Congratulations to him on a solid start to his uh, career with Boston College. Yes. Should there be any ball games outside the semifinal in the national I, championship? I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I, I thought Halfway made a good point. He goes, normally that the bowl games are supposed to be a reward for these kids, but uh, these kids are, are being they're they're, go- they're being tortured right now. Mm-hmm. I know that's a str- that's a very strong word to use, but let's be clear: these kids are more stressed about testing positive and ruining it for their teammates than they are about failing these set exams. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to hear from people, oh, poor student athlete, poor student. No, like you do think about how mentally taxing that has to be. Like, think about you at your job right now. Uh, for all our listeners, everyone has just, you know, different jobs. Everyone listening has a different job, obviously. You felt it, right? Have you felt the stress of, man, if I, oh, man, I, I think I just sniffled. Oh, man, I please don't have it. I can't have it. If I test positive, then I can't go to work for weeks. Then my, my coworkers are going to have to miss work, and they have kids, and Christmas is coming up, and they're going to be freaking out. Folks, we are all going through that just with our everyday jobs. These kids are going through that. And again, I'm not saying a football game is more important than than our everyday jobs and our everyday you know, life and Christmas. And all, but to them, that is their life right now. Right. When you're in college, that is your life. You know, to these college football players, oh well, there's more to life. Stop. To them, college football is their life right now. They eat, breathe, and sleep college football. Everything that they do is so that they can have a shot to play college football, so that they can hopefully play on Saturday. This Saturday, two Saturdays from now, a year from now, that's what they live, breathe, eat, and sleep for. So let's just be clear that to them, yes, it is their life. So they are very stressed. So if you're going to tell a team like Boston College, who their season's officially done, that, hey, you're going to be playing in a bowl game here in three weeks, so you want this team to practice for two to three weeks, miss Christmas with their family, and be told, as Jeff Halfway said, then you're going to tell us on Christmas Day that, oh, yeah, by the way, your, your bowl game's canceled. So these kids just went through hell for three weeks stressing about testing positive, stressing about being the reason that their team doesn't play, uh, stressing about missing Christmas with their families, just so you can cancel their bowl game. He just said, forget it. That's too taxing mentally on his team and pulled the plug. I applaud him big time. I thought that was a very cool thing to do because right now it sounds weird that I'm applauding a coach saying, hey, you know what? We're gonna we're done for the season. Yeah. I applaud him for doing that. I think it makes a lot of sense. I, w- I wouldn't keep those kids on campus for two to three more weeks to practice just to be told that you don't have a game or to get to a week away and have a kid test positive and the whole program's just done. Just stop. It's too stressful right now. I, I have no problem with it. And that. the other side of the coin is you could be doing everything right. Boston College could come back negative for every player, every person in the athletic mm-hmm. program. But the team that they're playing in the bowl game could have a couple positive tests, and then that game gets canceled. So you worked all super hard to practice and all that type of stuff, and then you don't even get the cool bowl game that you got invited to. So it, it's tough, man. I'm looking at this week's schedule. Currently, 10 games have been canceled this 
this upcoming weekend, including the Indiana-Purdue game, UC Tulsa, and, of course, the Ohio State-Michigan game. They've all been canceled. So that's 10 so far. It's Thursday. You already know there's going to be a couple more canceled between now and kickoff on Saturday. We know that for sure. It's just a matter of which ones. All right, so that's just something to keep in mind, too. So earlier when I was asking, hey, has this season been fun for you? I guarantee you, if you ask the players, however many players are on a roster come national championship day, when they whoever wins the national championship outside of the kids on that roster, you ask everyone else, was this season fun? No. It, 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 there's only going to be one team that feels good about themselves when this all ends. Cincinnati, they win their eight, you know, American Conference title game coming up here in two weeks. And they don't get a bowl game in like two weeks. Now, Cincinnati could play their final game coming up here in two weeks. They may not get a bowl. I mean, we're talking about, oh, you know, if they don't make the play, you've got the New Year's six bowl games. I have a hard time believing that they're going to get those in. I think that the only this was all done. Like, I feel like these teams are being strung along, too. There's a small part of me that believes no bowl game will be played. Right. This was all done to be able to get the games in, to be able to set up the field for the college football playoff. The only bowl games that will be played will be the Fiesta and the Rose or whatever it is that's under the college football playoff umbrella. The, the, those games will get in. I don't really see a situation where any other bowl game gets Yeah, the Little played. Caesars Bowl don't. isn't happening. Papa John's Bowl is happening. The Kevin Kenner Bowl ain't happening. Like, all the small ones, they probably should just go ahead and talk it. And I, and I know there's a lot of money involved. I know TV rights and everything like that. ESPN is probably pushing them to have it because they're looking for programming to have on. And they got inventory sold. But, like, you're going to literally be sending walk-ons out there. Like, and not by, like, oh, man, this walk-on is doing such a great job in practice. We're going to get them out there for a couple meaningful snaps. Yep. You're going to have to be sending walk-ons out there because we ain't got nobody else to play. Like, man, I just, I really think they just need to focus on the semifinal and the national championship game. And then we can try to reconvene next season. Uh, Bradley Horn says, hey, Justin, do you know everyone? Uh, Bradley, I think you're being a smartass. And if you are, <laughs> if you're going to be a smartass, and you're going to ask a question, maybe you should put a question mark in there. I'm not really sure what you're trying to accomplish with that. Um, but regardless, uh, at this point, I, I just thought that that was interesting at Boston College to pull that. One thing that we are going to be, be talking about. Be a part about, of the show, though. Yeah. Answer the question, too, if you're going to make funny comments. That's yeah, funny. Like, I'd, I'd be curious what he's talking about. Be, be sure about it. Uh, ben Hartsock, former Ohio State, Ohio State Buckeye. We're going to get to his um, comments coming up here momentarily. He was on with Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin earlier this morning. And I'm listening to this interview. I didn't realize it was him. And he goes, you know, me being a former Buckeye, he's talking about Buckeye Nation. He's he's saying, talking about how hated Buckeye fans are and how hated the program is. You know, he, he was comparing them to being a WWE heel, um, that they are disliked Rass. everywhere that they go. And his take, it is interesting hearing a former Buckeye take the side of Indiana and not bashing on Ohio State, just saying that this was a bet. He, he believes that the Big Ten made the wrong decision putting Ohio State, make, changing the rule for Ohio State to get into the Big Ten title game. We'll get to that coming up around the corner. So that's why I just thought it was interesting um, hearing him say those things. We're going to get to that coming up around the corner. All right, so before we head to this break, right here in my hand, how does this camera work? Which See, when I go left, it goes right. right yeah. When I go right, it goes left. Okay, so there we go. So the Cincinnati Reds sent me today this Marty Brenneman autographed commemorative microphone. And I think they have a lot of these because they were supposed to give these away at one of the Reds games this year. You know, one of the games that got canceled, one of 162. <laughs> um, 
I want to give a couple of these away. We have a few of these. I want to give a couple of these away. Marty Brenneman has signed it. It's right there on the top, okay? Or it's just my signature either way. I mean, it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> right? It's very valuable either way. His signature mine. Uh, but we're giving a few of these away. The way we're doing that is you have to go to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, share the live feed. We are live on Facebook. Listen, stream, and now watch. You can watch us on Facebook. Head to Facebook. Find the Justin Kinner Show, search it, like it, share it, and your name will automatically be put into the pot to potentially win a Marty Brenneman commemorative microphone. Again, highlighting the Hall of Famer's uh, long, legendary broadcasting career. And again, this was supposed to be done for his uh, induction into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. And, uh, I'm, you know, there's a lot of guys I know that were supposed to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Keith Byers had his college football Hall of Fame induction pushed back. Uh, talked to him about that. He said that they've pushed that back. He will be. There will be a ceremony that he'll be a part of. It'll, it's just been pushed back a year, which I'm glad. I'm glad that they didn't try to force one in in an empty stadium. He goes, no, I want to be <laughs> I want to be rewarded in front of 100,000 Buckeye right. fans. Like, he, he doesn't want... So, yeah, I'm happy for him that they pushed that back. Um, so keep that in mind. But, yeah, we're giving these away. So head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, like the page, if you haven't done so, and share it. For everyone who shares it, your name is automatically put into a pot to potentially win a couple of these. So keep that in mind. That's for the show today. You have till 6 o'clock. Go to the page, search Justin Kinner Show, share it. And that's how you do it. We'll announce the move reaching out to the winner on your Facebook page. I know we had someone make a fake Facebook page to go off on me yesterday. So Are you if, serious? If, if you're making a fake Facebook page to go off on me and I, I can't reach out to you, you don't win the microphone. You have to use your actual Facebook page. More so entries. Then. More entries, yeah. <laughs> Bonus entries. You must be real to enter. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Justin Kidder, Kevin Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. I haven't checked the, fa- the comments in a second. Hold on. 457-946. That's the number to call in. I tell you what, we're going to get to the Facebook feed conversations in a moment. The reason we're sending you to the Facebook feed is because any conversation we're having, you can leave your opinion in the chat section. And if, it, if we like it, we'll pull it into the broadcast. It's that simple. So let's have some fun. We'll be back in a moment. We're going to get into some NFL discussions coming up here in a moment, Kev, because we wanted to get into this yesterday. But we didn't have time. Outside of all the division leaders in the NFL, who is the most dangerous team that is not a division leader in the AFC, the NFC, and the NFL as a whole? We'll get to that at 5 o'clock, top of the or 4 o'clock, top of the hour. Keep that in mind. So be thinking about that, listeners. We'll be back in a moment. Head to Facebook. Share the Justin Kinner Show live feed right now. We'll be back in a moment. I see everybody heading to Facebook. I'm seeing the shares. I'm seeing a lot of people register to win this Marty Brenneman commemorative microphone. Marty Brenneman has signed it. We're going to be, of course, collecting the shares for the next couple hours till the show ends at 6 o'clock. You go to Facebook. Everyone has Facebook. You have Facebook. Yeah. Have you even shared it? I'm eligible? No, but well, then that I'm not wouldn't sharing. hurt. Wouldn't hurt. But if you share it, the second you share it, again, you got to like the page and share it, your name is automatically entered to win a Marty Burnham autographed commemorative microphone that was supposed to be given out at one of the Reds games this year uh, during the Hall of Fame week. Again, uh, Marty Burnham was supposed to be inducted into the 2020 Hall of Fame. And, of course, all those uh, ceremonies being pushed back a year. We'll find out more information as far as how they're going to do that. But they did send us a couple of these microphones that I wanted to make sure uh, that we had a chance to get out to you guys here this holiday season. So there you go. Uh, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. So Ben Hartsock, former Ohio State Buckeye, uh, you know, kind of traveled around the NFL a little bit in the early 2000s, uh, now does 
Sports Talk Radio as well. Uh, I was with Sirius XM Radio and uh, spoke with him earlier today. He's going to come on the show tomorrow, so I'm pretty pumped about that. But I heard him this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. And they were, you know, it was interesting hearing a Buckeye have a take that was not anti-Buckeye as in he doesn't like the Buckeyes, but he does have a take that is not falling in line with what pretty much every Buckeye fan and every former Buckeye uh, opinion is. So, Take a listen to this. This is Ben Hartsock not happy about the decision to take Indiana out and put Ohio State in, changing the rule to benefit them. Here is, again, Ben Hartsock, former Buckeye, on how this impacts Indiana. It hurts Ty Freifogel, the, the great wide receiver. Wap Fillier, the great wide receiver, both seniors. They had a chance to play for a Big Ten championship. Not, they haven't won, Indiana hasn't won a championship since 1967. And honestly, if they win that Big Ten championship, why aren't they going to the playoff? They would be an, uh, a one-loss conference champion that played in four top 25 matchups. That's one more than Alabama. And there, there, there are only two teams this year that played three or more top 25 matchups, Alabama and Indiana. Alabama went 3-0. and Indiana went 3-1 and with the loss to Ohio State. Tell me why they wouldn't have just let this thing run the course, get Indiana in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, it's disappointing for Ohio State state but the, the, the rules were established he's not wrong at all like yesterday i was like you know there's a difference between doing what's fair and what's right what's fair is to let indiana in what's right is to put ohio state in but when he brings up all of those points like and i've asked you before if the rules were reversed would the big 10 would there have been as much public outcry and pressure on the big 10 to reverse that decision i said no you said you believe that it would have been done yeah. but let me ask you a separate question what if this same scenario would have presented itself on the other side of the conference? Remember Wisconsin. They were supposed to be the favorite right. of that side. Northwestern was expected to have a good year, but Wisconsin was supposed to be the face of that side. Let's say that Wisconsin, who only got four games in this year. Now, they are a good football team. Mertz is a very good quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's a two-and-two two team that is a result of never being able to fully get it together because on again, off again, on again, off again. That's a really good football team. They're two-and-two. Two. Kev, what if they're 4 and out? And what if they're 4-0 and they didn't play Northwestern? And then you had, again, I'm doing the what-if scenarios. Right. We could play this game all day. But I believe if this, if this situation presented itself on the other side, I don't believe they flip it, flip it over. F fine, let's make it a dead even. Let's say Wisconsin, let's say Northwestern beat Wisconsin and they're 4-1 or whatever. Or the other way around, I'm sorry, you see my point. Let's just say the roles are reversed. They're not changing it. If Wisconsin's if if Wisconsin beats Northwestern and they're five and zero and Northwestern's five and one, they're not they're not changing this up to get Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. They're only doing this because it's Ohio State. Now, for those listening, I'm not saying I'm angry about it, but I think what you have to do in these scenarios is is this is where I get disgusted with hypocrisy. Don't do the all oh what I would never do that <laughs> stop. Sometimes if you look bad, it's just good to acknowledge that, yeah, well, look, we did what we had to to get Ohio State in because, look, that's our cash cow. That's, I mean, that's, that's how we're going to win a national championship right there. I do not believe if this same situation would have presented itself on the other side of the division with Wisconsin being 5-0 and and Northwestern being 5-1 and with that one loss being to Wisconsin, I do not believe that the Big Ten bends over backwards to make sure that Wisconsin gets in that Big Ten title game. The only reason I say they would is because the conference gets $6 million when you get a team in the college football playoff. So no matter if it's Ohio State, Northwestern, Rutgers, if you get a team from your conference into the college football playoff, your conference gets an influx of $6 million. So it will behoove them to try to do that, right? Because it will be lying Ohio in their State own being pockets. the opponent, though. And Wisconsin's not beating Ohio State. 
So the same scenario presented itself. Ohio State's waiting for them on the other side. That's what I mean, though. No, I know oh, what you're okay. saying. Okay. So now, if it's, I see what you're now saying. to your point, Indiana, Wisconsin, at that point, it's a wash. I mean, one of those two's good. But Ohio State's beating Northwestern or Wisconsin, no matter who it is. So, again, I'm just flipping the situa- the, the rever- or, you know, role reversal here. If Ohio State is already yep. in there just waiting on an yep. opponent to play. And I, I, I get what you're saying. So I don't need the holier-than-thou answers. It's totally okay to say, no, they wouldn't have. And I'm not going to judge you for saying it. I believe that they wouldn't. I agree. I believe that they did. But like, we, I, what I get annoyed with is when I start hearing Buckeye, you know, Ryan Day and everyone, oh, they, they did what was right. They did, they did what was right for you and them. They didn't right. do what was right for Indiana. Indiana did what they were supposed to. They won the games they were supposed to. Yes, they did lose to Ohio State, but they met the criteria that Gene Smith even voted upon. Look, we're beating a dead horse with this, but it is interesting hearing the different takes, and we wanted to share that Ben Hartsock soundbite with you. One more aspect of this, and then we got to end the 4 o'clock hour, or the 3, the three o'clock hour. Ben Hartsock also talked about the hypocrisy side of the money situation, feeding off of what we just talked about. Here's Ben Hartsock on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin talking about the Big Ten's decision to reverse the rule and allow a Ohio State to get to the title game despite only playing five games. I get that money drives the boat. We all know that. Get down to the bottom line. The bottom doesn't line make it right. I get that. Doesn't it make doesn't, it right. It doesn't make it right. I, I get that. But there are times in life where the bottom line shouldn't be the most important thing. I, I don't want to have to have an uh, open heart surgery, and I don't want my surgeon using discount scalpels. I don't want him making Jeez. money decisions when he's about to cut me open. And that's what th- this situation here is an opportunity. It's just right. It undermines the principle of competitiveness. I'm wildly disappointed with what the ACC has done to grease the skids for Notre Dame and Clemson. He's not wrong. Bringing the heat. But this is the thing about it is we, we, we know all the time that money runs college football, runs college athletics. So I don't like when we all, when we all collectively agree that money runs college athletics – but then when situations like this where there is some kind of morality challenge, now we're trying to act like, oh, no, everyone does always what's right at all times no matter right. what. The Big Ten didn't do what was right. If they didn't do what was fair. They may have done what was right for them, and what's right for them may not be right for Indiana and others, but they did what they had to. To your point, you know, Indiana winning the Big Ten title doesn't guarantee them in the college football playoff. Ohio State winning it doesn't guarantee them that either, but they have the better shot. Uh, on Facebook, Johnny Ritchie uh, says, I think if Wisconsin is in the top five, they do it for them too. Oh, again, different scenario though. Wisconsin, if they're 4-0, I also don't believe that they would be, or if they're 5-0, I don't think they would be a top four team. I think that they would be a top ten team. Hell, Northwestern, had they been undefeated, Northwestern would probably be seven, probably eight or seven right now. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I mean, they were already eight. That's why them losing to Michigan State was such a big deal because I'm like, Northwestern, you had a prime opportunity here to be a top 10 team, to be in the Big Ten title game, potentially have to play an Indiana team that you can actually beat, end the season undefeated, and Big Ten champion, you would be in the playoff discussion. I don't think anyone thinks that they were as good as those teams, but their resume puts them there. So, uh, Johnny, I yeah, but I'm saying Wisconsin wouldn't be a top five team. I still don't think they would bend over backwards to get Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game if the roles were reversed. Like I said yesterday, Ohio State has to come away with the national championship, and I don't want to hear anything ever from Buckeye Nation saying they're against us. They don't want us to win. (laughs) Apparently, everybody wants you to win. Apparently, everybody's trying to put us in the best position to compete for a national championship. They changed the rules midseason for us. So I don't ever want to hear that from anybody again. Like, dude, like we can feel both ways. We can be happy that Ohio State is in the Big Ten championship, 
vying for a chance to play for the college football playoff and feel icky at the same time that, hey, man, what we did to Indiana is kind of messed up. Like, you can feel that way because that's how I feel. I feel like, all right, go Bucks. We're in there. Let's make it happen. <laughs> but, like, dang, like, yo, like, especially a person like myself who's, like, I, I'm, not, and I'm not even going to give myself, like, that type of credit. Like, oh, man, I've been on the Indiana bandwagon this long. I just so happened to catch a couple games last season and say, hey, man, these dudes ain't that bad. And I was, like, checking up on them. Like, hey, man, maybe they'd be all right this season. Oh, they got 12 dudes returning on uh, defense or uh, nine guys returning on defense. That's pretty good. You know, they're seniors. That's really, hey, hey, I'm putting my hat down for uh, Indiana who should have a good season. And miraculously, they did. So it just feels bad. It feels wrong. It does. It does feel wrong. Like, we, it's a set of rules. We changed it. But the team that we're changing it for, it just so happens to be the team that I root for. So I can't even be like, oh, man, it's not fair. This, da, 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 da. Like, I got to kind of just roll with it. Like, it, it doesn't feel great. I can tell you that. All right. Mike Williams on Facebook says, I feel like Kev. Uh, you feel pretty cool, right? <laughs> that way you say you feel pretty, you know. Uh, what was the thing yesterday? Uh, Kev Nash is cool. Kenner's a fool. Yes, that's the one. See, I even shout out the haters. Shirt. I even shout out the haters. But, yeah, uh, shout out to Mike Williams. Appreciate you listening and watching live on Facebook. Robert Miller says the SEC is going to shut down the entire conference today for Saturday's games. Um, there is a big announcement coming from SEC commissioner at 6 o'clock tonight, and it could be that. Remember, this is where you're going to, like, this is what we're talking about here. The SEC has no interest in getting games in this weekend. Why? Because the only thing they cared about was getting to the SEC title game to set up the team to get to the playoff. So if they do cancel everything this weekend, it ain't going to bother me, but it's another example of a conference trying to pretend to be doing the right thing that's not really doing the right thing. The SEC is going to cancel this weekend's games to say, we're really upset about COVID. We really want to make sure our teams are healthy. and blah, blah. You're try- It's an optics thing. You're mm-hmm. going to cancel this week to make it look like we got a grip on this. We're taking control here. No, like, come on, stop. They should have set it up the way the ACC did. But they're fine, though. They already have their two teams. The yeah, Florida and Alabama. But, like, Alabama you know? but Alabama has a game this week. Not anymore. I mean, currently, right now, they still do. Who? Do, I didn't think they had a game this no, week. No, they got a game this week. Alabama plays this week. Mm-hmm. Who they got? Uh, nobody. <laughs> There's not, not, nobody going to have anything. They this, got Arkansas this week. Like I said, nobody. They got, <laughs> yep, they got Arkansas this week, and I believe Florida has a bye week. Interesting. Okay. Well, so they should have deal with the ACC. Did they should have just finagled the schedule that both teams had a bye week going into? Oh no, Florida has LSU this week, so they both got games this week. You know, and that's so. Like I said, the SEC has this big announcement. We don't know what it is. Uh, Gary speculating on Facebook. Not Gary. Who? Who? Robert. Sorry, Gary. Robert. Not even close. Jeez, Justin. My goodness. Uh, But Robert on Facebook, uh, he says that they're going to shut it down the entire conference for for this Saturday's games. I don't know if that's what they're doing or not, but we're all speculating what the big announcement's going to be at 6 o'clock. That's, if they're saying it's going to be huge news, that's pretty big if you're canceling all of your conference's games this weekend because guess what? Every game this weekend means absolutely nothing. Right. There's not one thing that by playing this weekend that is going to benefit the SEC outside of potentially risking Florida getting sick. They're protecting their investment. Yeah. And again, do you think that they care about this could be, some of, this could be the last game potentially for any of these kids heading into this week. No, they care about protecting their investment, which is fine, but we need to stop acting like that we're all making the right moral decisions here because the SEC is not doing that. They're protecting their investment if that's what they end up ultimately doing. 
So, uh, Doug Toby says, what if Big Ten Championship weekend gets canceled because of COVID? Do they have a makeup week? We had Heather Denich on yesterday, college football playoff reporter with ESPN. She said, look, people keep forgetting that the conference championship weekend, it's not like all these teams become immune once they punch their ticket to the, to the conference championship game. Those games could be canceled, too. I don't know about canceled. You would think that they would do everything in their power to postpone those or get those in. I mean, you would have to. But Doug asked a good question. What happens if that gets canceled? We don't know those answers yet. But we keep assuming. like We keep assuming the college football playoff. Oh, there will be games on those dates, Mm -hmm. no doubt. Will there? Uh, I mean, it's not like. They got to remain flexible. Heather made I loved her comment yesterday. Punching your ticket to the conference title doesn't make you immune to the disease. The uh, disease can attack you then, too. So that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on for. This is, goes back to our point to open up the show. I think these guys just all want they, they just want to get to the finish line. They just want to get this over with. Get the season over with. Crown a national champion and be done with it. That's all I got to say. I don't know if the SEC is doing that or not. One of the SEC fans on the page speculating there, I'm assuming, unless, you know, he has some inside information. I, I You know, Twitter is everyone's inside information. I don't know what the news is going to be, uh, but SEC commissioner is going to be making an announcement at 6 o'clock later tonight. It could be that, and it wouldn't surprise me, and I wouldn't even be upset. It makes sense. Let's get Florida off the field. Let's get Alabama off the field. Nick Saban, you got, take your team, go put them in a bubble. Don't let them out of their dorms, all right? Lift, you know, open their door, throw some food in there, shut the door again. Don't let them out. <laughs> Leave them in. And if I'm the Big Ten, I do the same thing. But the Big Ten's going to be like, oh, no, we're, we're going to have a doubleheader on Saturday. Everyone's going to play two games. Everyone's going to shake hands afterwards, too. That's the, the Big Ten's policy right there. All right, folks, we're going to switch gears. We're going to switch to some NFL stuff coming up here around the corner. Uh, when we come back, take all the division leaders out. Who's the most dangerous team that is not currently leading a division in the National Football League? Right now, I'm curious people's thoughts on that. We're going to get into that. It could involve the Cleveland Browns. I mean, it's a good discussion to have. How about this out of the NFL? Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Des Bryant. Remember, he couldn't play on Monday night or was supposed to be a Monday night game. That was Tuesday night, whenever it was. (laughs) He uh, he said that he has tested negative on back-to-back tests now. After testing positive the night of that game, and they had to pull him out of the game, and, you know, he missed the game, and he was angry and upset. Well, he missed the game for no reason. C-O-N-spiracy. And I tweeted this out earlier, put it on Facebook, but Des Bryant says, I tested negative back-to-back for COVID, and I'm not excited about it. Oh, come on, Des. Why you got to be so negative all the time? We'll be back in a moment. Hour two next. They can bulge, go bald, wear down, flatten, or be in dire need of replacing. No, guys, it's not you. We're talking about your tires. Let Fat Boys get your car rolling again. Safe and sound. Fat Boys carries tires that all make styles and sizes, including Continental, Goodyear, Michelin, and more. Check out. Oh, oh. I can't wait till sports talk tomorrow because Jeff is going to be all over. He's one of the people from day one that says the Bengals need to get a. All right, and we are back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Dayton Flyers basketball fans, this Saturday, 10 AM, live from Timothy's Bar and Grill, Soli will be hosting the Dayton Flyers pregame show. Uh, again, the Talking Out Loud pregame show right here on 1410 ESPN radio. You'll be able to call in and get all excited and geared up for, for the Dayton Flyers taking on Mississippi State coming up on Saturday. That is a noon tip-off. And, of course, Soli will be with you at 10 AM, getting you excited, geared up for that game 
again, he'll be live out at Timothy's Bar and Grill this Saturday morning starting at 10 a.m. Uh, so, again, make sure you tune in. We have that programming uh, coming up for you here this weekend. In fact, Soli's going to be hanging out with us here uh, an hour from now. He'll be calling into the show, so looking forward to catching up with him. Maybe. He might be mad at me right now. I'm not 100% sure. What'd you do this he, time? He hasn't talked to me since my, my right state post from the other night. Oh, so, uh, man. He did technically text me. That he, he sent me the stuff he needed to send me to make sure <laughs> we get the show off. So, But, yeah, he hasn't said a word to me all week. So, I th- you know, that that's just kind of where we're at with that. And that's fair. That's fair, you know? Going to be some fair. smoke in the city. The world needs more, you know, the world needs more um, scenarios like that where people who don't agree on something can still work together and pull some stuff off. So I think that's a pretty good. So we'll be talking, we'll find out if Sully's still, you know, cool with me coming up here in a little bit. You did send the files for the show, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say have a good day or anything. It, was, it hurt. It hurt. It bothered the important me. Part you know, is you're going like, to have a show. So Sully doesn't want me to have a good day. He didn't even say have a good day or nothing. So we'll, we'll find out. Here, if, you know. Exclamation point. Uh, where did that go? Uh, Chris on Facebook says, "When are you giving the microphones away?" So the mic again for those of you who are just tuning in. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash, the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, sent us these, again, I can't figure out these cameras and how they work, this commemorative microphone honoring the Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman for being inducted into the 2020 Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. They were supposed to be giving these away at the ballpark this year um, during the Hall of Fame weekend. But, of course, well, you know, COVID. So, with that being said, we have an auto- we have a few autographed uh, versions here that we're going to be giving away. And the way you can win this is by going to Facebook, searching The Justin Kinner Show, and you have to share. Share, 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 share the live feed right here. you got to like the page, okay, because when we go, and we, again, we just we click at random, whoever's name pops up, we go and make sure that that person who shared it also likes The Justin Kinner Show page. So, that is important. So, like the page, share the live feed. We will be drawing that at the end of the show, and we will be contacting the winner through their Facebook page that they shared the show page through. So, keep that in mind. This is really cool, though. I have the... Uh, the Marty's last game, Kev, I went to the ballpark. I remember I was like, I can only go for a few innings because i got to get back here to do the show that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so weird. I'm like, why am I sprinting to a ballpark to not even watch something? Like, you're not even watching Marty call a game. You're just watching the game, right? Like, right. But it was so cool because they gave out these little radios, these little AM radios um, that they had the station 700 all synced up, right, you know, so that there was no delay, and you can literally listen to Marty call the game live in your seat. So I'm sitting a few rows back, and I'm like, it's a beautiful day for baseball, have my headphones in, and I'm listening to Marty call the game live. I'm not going to lie, that was the coolest experience ever. I really wish, but it's difficult to do the tape delay that you can't, you you have to have that delay in. Right. Um, but, you know, they made an exception that day for obvious reasons, so... Uh, yeah, I, all I know is is that was one of the coolest baseball games I ever watched because I really enjoyed being there live, watching a game live, hearing the game be called live. It was a very cool experience. Plus, I was by myself. If I was with Nora, she'd be <laughs> wanting to talk to me, and then I wouldn't be able to listen to it, and then I'd be a jerk. And then, uh, but no, but yeah, we got those radios too. Those are pretty cool. But the Reds, this is this is pretty neat. This is pretty cool. This commemorative microphone honoring Marty Brenneman for being inducted into the 2020 Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. So head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show, like the page, like the Justin Kinner Show page, and then find the live feed link and share it. We'll be picking a winner at the end of the show. You've been busy over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just catching up on some NBA stuff. Three, Chris. Uh, Chris just asked how many. There's, we have three of them. So I know we're going to get into NBA talk a little bit later, but just oh, yeah. real, real quick heads up. Uh, James Harden, you know, he's trying to force his way out of Houston or whatever. He has reportedly added the Miami Heat to his preferred list of trade destinations. As well as Milwaukee, I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, now, 
if I was Milwaukee, I would do everything in my power to get James Harden outside of obviously trading Giannis and Chris Middleton, everything else you can have. Yep. Matter of fact, you can have uh, Luau Sanders' tire jersey. <laughs> I think the reason that LeBron and Anthony Davis work so well together is because they are completely different positions, and mm-hmm. that's why it works. Uh, you know how everyone always says, oh, there's, there's only one ball, and you have too many, like... The good teams could figure that out. The 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 Warriors figured it out. They figured yeah. out how that one ball can allow Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant to be the best of the, you know, to be the best of what they're capable of being with the one ball. Then there's other teams who can't figure it out. Right. Um, that's why the Lakers. Anthony Davis doesn't need the ball to be dominant. LeBron needs the ball to set up other guys to be dominant. That's why they work. I believe James Harden would work in Milwaukee yes. because he would need the ball in his hands. But I think. That would also set up onto Dacupo as well. Oh, I think they would feed off. It would be awesome yeah. uh, watching them two play basketball together. Um, you could put Giannis as the finisher. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't have so much ball handling responsibility and setting things up for others, which he's good at, but he's not great at. Uh, James Harden is damn good at that. And you change Giannis to the creator, to the finisher. I mean, he's seven feet. He's gonna be dunking on everybody. Like that pick and roll with him and Giannis would be crazy. So if I'm Milwaukee, I know they just made a lot of moves to try to keep make Giannis. More. Make more. It's 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 whatever you want outside of Giannis and Chris Middleton. The next twenty year draft picks, I would do it. And I'm not even like a big James Harden fan like that. Yeah, and I just think that that's for one. They're trying to keep. I saw that Giannis's teammates. They all got him a Christmas gift. <laughs> he opened up his Christmas gift, and it was a pack of pens. And it, you know, obviously saying, hey, when you sign your new damn extension, you yeah. better use one of these pens. I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, so the NBA, we're not talking NBA right now, folks, so don't tune out. We're getting to the, the NFL stuff. But the NBA released their top 100. They released the top 10 today. Uh, Kevin and I have our top 10 that we'll be discussing here coming I up. I can't wait to corner. see your top 10. You ain't going to like mine. Okay. That's why I can't wait. I know they're totally different. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. LeBron, LeBron, James, LeBron's LeBron, went through eight, and King then Bron, LeBron at ten, LeBron. and then LeBron. <laughs> I'll probably put Kevin Durant at nine, and then LeBron at ten. So you know we'll make it work. So, all right. So I saw this. You know I'm not very creative on my own. I have to steal other topics. So I, I found. You know I saw this was good on Keyshawn J Will and Zubin. They did it on Get Up, and I uh, saw so they did it on First Take today. But when you start looking at all of the NFL division leaders, okay, the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, uh, separated themselves this past weekend. They're nine and three. They lead the AFC East, the AFC North. Of course, you have the eleven and one Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Tennessee Titans and Colts are tied at the top of the AFC South. The Titans hold that tiebreaker. Um, they've both split in their head-to-head matchups this year, Kev, which I found. Uh, but they, the Titans, do hold a tiebreaker based on something. I, have, I don't have that pulled up in front of me at the moment, but they do hold that tiebreaker. The Kansas City Chiefs, no surprise there. Same record as the Steelers at 11 and one, lead the AFC West. We're going to start in the um, in the AFC in the American Football Conference. In the AFC, take out the division leaders, mm-hmm. take out the Bills out of the East, the Steelers out of the North, and the Titans and Chiefs out of the South and the West. Of all those teams right there, we were taking them out. Who is the most dangerous team remaining that is not currently leading the division? Because I start looking at it. I don't think that the most dangerous team in the AFC 
that is not leading a division, I don't believe that team exists in the AFC East. I don't believe it's the Dolphins. I think that the Patriots with Bill Belichick, they're always going to have like a, um, they're always going to have an an intelligence advantage because Bill Belichick is just the smartest coach in football. But uh, they'll always have that advantage. But from a talent perspective, come on, I'm not going to do that to to New England. They're just good enough to win. They're just perfectly coached enough to win, but not win at a high level. Miami has shown signs, but I think that they are more invested right now in getting Tua thrown out there on a winning football team to put him in winning situations. And I think they're willing to live or die by the play of Tua. Um, There was a a point last week where the broadcaster started saying, man, if you have a shot to win this and come back, do you put Fitzpatrick in at the end of the game? And they stuck with Tua the rest of the way, but I did find it interesting that they are having to mentally decipher now, do we, is this just about putting Tua in situations to succeed or fail? Or are we trying Man. to make the playoffs? I don't think the Dolphins were expecting to be 8-4. and four. Yeah, that speaks to the uh, coaching job that Brian Flores is doing with Miami Dolphins. And the way they're doing it, like how they basically started out the season pretty solid with Fitzpatrick and then made a move to Tua and then uh, he wasn't playing well and they had no hesitation of pulling him, putting Fitzpatrick in the game and they come back in those games. So it's it's very odd to see what they have going on in Miami, but it's working for them right now because of they're eight and four. Yeah, uh, we're what Chris says uh, the Patriots will go to their backup plan, Spygate. I'll never forget that year of all the teams that get caught cheating against. It was the Cincinnati. Every Bengals. game counts. I mean, I I, <laughs> I made that joke. Of course, it annoyed people years ago, and I said, Man, if you're going to cheat, make sure it's with a good looking check and not an ugly. One. I mean, because that way, if you get caught, you can at least say, well, at least she was good looking. I mean, the, they can't. The Patriots can't even say. Yeah, I cheated, but she was good looking. They can't even say that. Oh gosh. I mean, they cheated with the you know ten beers on a low self esteem night. Like that, that's <laughs> what they cheated with. I mean, it was unbelievable uh, what they did. Uh, but no. So uh, moving on here, the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. I think right now we're going to find out who's the better of those two teams coming up. Obviously, in their head to head matchup this weekend. I'll get back to the North in a second. But the AFC South. Let's say the Titans lead that division. Right. The Colts sitting right there. I don't dislike the Colts. I just don't trust the Colts. I think they have a veteran quarterback who's leading the way in Phillip Rivers, a strong defense, a good offensive line, a good enough run game. There's just something about them that they don't have that it factor. They just they have just enough to be dangerous, just enough to win some football games. But I don't think that they when you think of them, Kev, what do you think about? Is it the run game? Is it the defense? Is it Phillip Rivers? Like they're just they're okay. They have an okay run game. An okay passing game, an okay defense. They're just a decent all-around football team, yeah. but they don't have that wow factor. There's nothing that when you go into the playoffs and say they need to do this to win, it's just, well, they have enough of everything to win is basically what it comes down to. Yeah, I think of their defense. Well, not really their defense. I think about their linebacking core. have a good, strong linebacking core, but like that's just not like the quote-unquote sexy thing to think about when you think about a winning football team. So on to so yeah I, I can't pick the Colts and again if you're just tuning in we're trying to figure out in the AFC and the AFC if you take out all of the division leaders which who is the most dangerous team remaining out of that uh, and right now you know in the AFC West Kansas City leads that division they're out of the conversation the Raiders I I don't I mean again we've seen them beat the Chiefs they're the only team that has beat the Chiefs this year mm-hmm. um, but Washington also just beat the Steelers and I don't think that anyone's making Washington their Super Bowl favorites either. So I just think that, you know, Washington I would has at least a very, very, very good defense that I'm a big fan of. Yes. So, yes, Schrody. Schrody said it has to be the Browns because if it wasn't the Browns, it wouldn't be a topic. That's not necessarily <laughs> true because I'm very torn between the Ravens and the Browns. I'm just the, the Ravens. Like I, I mentioned this earlier. 
right now, record-wise, it's easy to decipher who the best teams in football are. But if you start looking at who's the hottest right now, Cleveland, I don't think it's that hot of a take to sit there and say that out of all the teams that are not leading a division, who is the most dangerous team in the AFC? I want to say Baltimore, but they have looked so vulnerable over the last couple of weeks. Their offense does not look as as explosive as what it was a year ago. The defense that they were supposed to be their identity coming in is not as dangerous as what it once was. To me, Kev, yes, I don't care if it makes me sound like a homer. The most The most dangerous team in the AFC that is not leading their division right now is the Cleveland Browns, and I don't think that's a hot take. I know it's like when you hear that it's been weird hearing so much positive Browns talk this week, which means they are about to just get destroyed on Monday because that's the most Browns thing ever. But the Browns have finally been able to win over a lot of doubters out there, and I don't think people are fully invested, but if you notice, start listening to a lot of some of the national shows, the Browns are kind of the, the darlings right now, right? Like there are a lot of people's you know picks. Not just my opinion. A lot of the shows I watched that did this same topic also had the Browns out of the AFC as out of all the division leaders. Take the division leaders out. The most dangerous team that is not leading a division in the AFC is the Cleveland Browns at this point, mainly because... Of that run game, obviously, that defense is not that great, but man, they they have a way about them of you know making you play uncomfortable. They they you know one of the top teams in takeaways in the year. Cleveland's defense and their ability to be able to force turnovers, they're garbage outside of that. And on top of the fact that they have the best run game in football, and oh yeah, it's no coincidence, Kev, that as Baker has gotten better the last couple of weeks, the Browns have elevated their level. As long as Baker keeps on that trend, it's no doubt in my mind they have the highest ceiling. They have the highest ceiling of every team in the AFC that's not leading a division right now. I got to give you a lot of credit for uh, saying that you stole this topic. Because when we talked about this pre-show, in my head, I was like, this dude is just trying to get me to say Browns. Like, he's literally just trying to get me to say the Browns on the air. And then you told me that you stole this topic. So, I'm going to say this. It's down to two teams. And it's crazy that it's two, these two teams. It's down to the Cleveland Browns and the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders are up there simply because not only did they beat the number one team in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, but in that second matchup, they had them up against the ropes. And they also beat the Cleveland Browns. So the two teams that I huh? have up there. Your mic cut out there. I didn't yeah, that. yeah, yeah. The Raiders beat the Browns. So I'm going to pull a Kenner. 1A and 1B. Cleveland Browns and the Las Vegas Raiders. You don't get to do one A and one. You know what? Do what you want. <laughs> that's, uh, you like, that's, a, that, that's how I really see. I really how I see. I really uh, like the run game of both teams. Uh, I don't really think the Raiders run it at the same clip. I mean, obviously they don't run it at the same clip as the Browns, but they have a strong running game and the ability to match. Somehow they're able to match Kansas City when they play each other. So maybe it's a matchup thing between the Raiders and KC. But, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that it's the Browns. And then at a very, very, very close second, I would say the Raiders uh, will be the most dangerous teams that aren't leading their division. If the Browns beat the Ravens coming up on Monday, mm-hmm. I do, I've do. i already put money on them coming back to win this division. I still think there's a good shot. Who did you put shot. money on that with? You didn't put money on that with me. I I I, I got a guy. Actually, oh, I got a, why I got put a site. Some money on I that with site. me. I got a site, but it doesn't matter. What? Put some money on that with me. I actually put money on this like weeks ago. To be honest with you. Well, I'm here. And now the payoff isn't as high. If you put the bet in right now, it's not as high as what it was a few weeks ago. But you know, it is. Well, what I'm it here is. if you change your mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> point is, point is, I believe the Browns are one of the hottest teams in football right facts, now, and facts. it's you know, and this isn't like college where. We judge teams' playoff ability based on the whole body of work. Right. Right now, Cleveland did just, I mean, they weren't playing good football for, for a while. 
but they were still winning games, which was unlike, it wasn't your typical Browns narrative, right? We're so used to the Browns finding ways to lose, and all they have done during this stretch while playing some ugly football, Kev, they did what the Browns normally don't do, and that is instead of finding ways to lose, they have found ways to win. Yep. And that's why a few weeks ago when they played the Jaguars, I shared this story where I was just like, you know, the, the Jaguar. I, I basically said with five minutes to go, oh, they have this game, they have it won. Everyone's like, oh, don't, don't jinx it. You know, the Jaguars, they're going to come back. The Jaguars started coming back. And I found myself, Kev, still cool, calm, and collected. I'm like, <laughs> they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Th- if this was a year ago, I'd have been nervous. But there's just something about Kevin Stefanski and this current Browns team that has me comfortable to say, you know what? I'm not saying that they can't lose. I'm just saying that I don't think this is your typical Browns team that finds boneheaded ways to lose games. They do what they have to do to win. And whether it's Baker having to throw 20 times or Baker throwing 35 times, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. They could beat you with just basically predominant run game and no passing. They could beat you with heavy passing, limited run like they did last week. The point is that to me says that this team is very flexible and they could beat you in different ways ways, and that's what makes them dangerous. You can't just plan for one side of the ball anymore, and that's what I like about this team. And it all starts with Baker Mayfield. It starts with Baker Mayfield. So that's out of the AFC. We'll do the NFC and the NFL as a whole coming up. Charles Tackett on Facebook says that the Browns are the type of team that can be successful in any type of weather. Home field advantage doesn't matter this year. I agree a million percent because there is no home field advantage unless there's the uncomfortable part of traveling that you know bothers you. There is... The dog pound is not going to be lifting you up and motivating you in frigid temperatures uh, you know, to win a playoff game. It's all going to come from within, and I think that's what makes this team interesting as pretty much this entire playoff. Um, yeah, so who knows how that's going to work. All right, 457-9464. You heard our take. I want to hear yours. As far as the AFC is concerned, are the Browns the most dangerous team in the AFC not currently leading their division? Kev can't even listen to me without smirking a little bit. It sounds weird. I, it's, it's weird even to me. <laughs> it, it, it's weird, but I think that they are. The yeah. Browns are the best team in the AFC that is currently not leading their division. Four five seven nine four six four. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you agree, disagree? We'll hear from you, the listeners, next. Don't go anywhere. was on I'm not a big movie guy I don't really watch movies but I found myself like Home Alone was on last night and I found myself like legitly like laughing out loud like there's not I, I don't know you know what I mean like it, it's, it's a weird little kids movie I mean I mean not really a kids movie I guess I don't know but it's just not a movie that I said oh I gotta sit down and watch this movie but it was on I was laughing my ass it, it's pretty good I, I, I'm a, that might I said jingle all the way last week but man Home Alone there's just something about that there's something about that movie man dude the wife loves and I'm talking about loves three Christmas movies Home Alone Home Alone 2 and this Christmas as soon as soon as Thanksgiving week pops up Christmas movies non-stop those three on repeat all the time like when I get home today one of those movies is gonna be on now me I prefer a Christmas movie like Die Hard (laughs) but see like Jingle All the Way I lied to you I said Home Alone but I was laughing hysterically at Jingle All the Way like Sinbad is so good in that damn movie Like, and people rip that movie people say that's one of the worst movies, Christmas movies out there I find it hilarious dude you know how many booster. terrible Christmas nobody movies nobody wants no damn there. booster <laughs> it's just it's the damn funniest movie I love it I love uh, Jingle All the Way Halloween that's where it's at and I always wonder like what movies come out anymore that we will consider classics 20 years from now that come out now like nothing right no a lot of good movies out there. 
No, like that, like what what like original Holiday Christmas movies? movie that comes out right now? Oh, you made that rule right. like oh. that, like that. Uh, you know, if I ever had kids that are you know going to look at twenty years from now, say, oh, that movie that came out in the two thousand twenties, twenty years from now is a classic. I can't think of a, a recent Man. Christmas movie that's a classic. Yeah, that's a good question. Because a Christmas story, like when did that come out? Like the eighties? Oh my! My parents like. My mom and stepdad like love that damn movie. Love it. Great. Every Christmas, it's on like on repeat. Was it TBS? Yeah, it's just TBS. On, on repeat. Twenty-four and, you know, hours straight. You know, I I I don't really care for the movie, but you know, because my family, that's all they watch on Christmas. You know, Red Eve Rider, and, and then the next day. So like, you know, when I, when I see it on, like it makes me think of Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. You know, with the family and stuff. So you know, but I don't care for. It. I think it's it's cheesy. It's weird. I I just I don't know. I'm not. That's why I hate Hoosiers. By the way, that's not. That's totally not even Christmas related. But there's these instant classics that people talk about all the time that I can't even give the movie ten seconds without being. Yep, I'm done. I just no. Friday after next. There you go. With Ice Cube and Mike Epps. Classic. Don't be a menace. That's another. (laughs) That is also correct. Correct. I rock with that movie. Heavy. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, anyways. But uh, I don't know why I thought. I literally just saw a little promo for Home Alone. That's what. Oh, Bad Santa. Ron, that's a good one. That's a good. Ron Howard said Bad Santa. Oh, with Bernie Mac Uh, and John Ritter. That's that's excellent. Uh, Ron Howard, good one. Finally, Ron. Finally, I get to, you know, say something positive about one of your posts. Good for you. Good for you. Because he made fun of my Browns a little bit ago. Yeah, well, big game. Oh, and he said, where did, he, where did his comment go? He took a shot at the Browns, which I just thought was hilarious because he said something about, this is crazy, Kev. The Browns have shown their cards. Can see them going 10 and 6. What's wrong? I mean, 10 and, oh, yeah, I mean, Browns fans will throw a parade over 10 and 6. Winning 10 games, that, that's excellent. Now, that means you don't only win one of your final five here or four here, but, you know, yeah. Right, four? Where are we at? They're nine and three, nine twelve, and three. so four more. Four more left, but regardless. So we welcome you back. Four five seven nine four six four Kev, who we have on hold? We got Nick on the line. Nick, what's up, Nick? Welcome in. Hey, what's up, guys? You guys are talking about classic movies and like classic movies of twenty twenty. Yeah. There are no classic movies, man, for like the last fifteen years. Like if you think about Ace Ventura, uh Mrs. Doubtfire, and like Tommy Boy. Where they, they all gone. stand the test of time and like nothing gone. Yeah. And you know what's even worse? Think about sitcoms, man. Like, Everybody Loves Raymond was like the last sitcom <laughs> ever made. Yeah, I agree. I love that. That Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, Friends is good. George Lopez. I I, I never hear people the talk King about George. George Lopez is yeah. King of Queens. Absolutely. Yeah, but those Doug are, I mean, that, that was the end of the dying breed. There's no such thing as a sitcom that lasts more than three seasons anymore. It just doesn't exist. What Are there, are there any recent... Good comedies out now. I do like uh, oh, with Tim Allen, not Home Improvement. That's not well, bad either. Uh, what's the home Tim Allen sitcom? I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, Man of the House or something about. like that. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Man of the House. Man of the that, House. That's okay. Um, no, that ain't it either. I think, as far as classic movies go, I think you could pretty much factor in any Will Ferrell movie over the last ten years. It's usually pretty dark. Ah, uh, Elf, exactly. Elf, you're yeah, right. Exactly. Will Ferrell's but, a walking classic, but, man. It's limited to him, you know? I mean, I don't think there's been any other, outside of Superbad, there's been no other super good, hilarious movies like Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. I mean, it's just... Happy it's Gilmore will yeah. always be my all-time favorite yeah. Adam Sandler movie. I mean, movie. right now, we're in the, the, the age of, let's make Billy Madison again. Oh, uh, the remakes, yeah. Yeah, the- yeah that's, that's <laughs> a reboot. Tank, man. That's all they got. What about Christmas Vacation? I never got that's into that. Instant classic. 
Classic. I never got into that. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just for oh, me, it man. never really hit with me. But I know it's a popular. I hear every year people jump on that right Holiday I'm getting a lot of Elf people. I mean, this we're, this is taking off. I didn't even try to. But you know, Ron said Bad Santa earlier. Chris says, uh, yeah, Bad Santa has Billy Bob Thornton. Um, you know, so there you go. Yeah. But yeah. Right, cool. But hey, Nick, you guys have a good weekend. You too, Nick. Appreciate right. it. Uh, but yeah, so I just started thinking, like, at what point? At what point do you know a movie that you are currently watching is going to be a classic? Like, Elf is the last modern movie. I could think of that has added to like when you oh your favorite Christmas movies like before Elf it was all those old like the 90s mm-hmm. movies but even now that we're well, I mean after Elf what what like we're going on over a decade without a movie coming out that is going to hold any kind of substance to be a classic 20 years from now now you're straight talking holiday movie holiday right? yeah like, okay you know like because I was watching Home Alone I'm like what what is it about when this came out that made this movie that classic moving forward well I think for Home Alone it was the we all remember like that feeling of like all right my parents are gone for like five hours they told me to to stay in the house and it's like i'm the king of the castle i can do whatever i want for these next five hours but kevin McAllister, he was able to do it for a whole weekend oh you mean you mean young joe burrow and four five seven nine four six four it's the justin kinder show with kev nash i promise you we are going to get back to sports here like any time now um i don't even know how we got into all of this to be honest with you but how did we get into this? Me. I think I'm how we got into all of this. No, you know. Anthony says, Elf is almost 20 years old. Charlie called back. I hung up on you by mistake. Damn, Kev. <laughs> Fumble. Uh, Anthony says, Elf is almost 20. Man, I guess it is, isn't it? I said modern as if like, it just came out recently, but that's because I don't like to think of myself as like getting into my 30s now, but I guess I am in my 30s, So, and that was out when I was in high school. Holy smokes. It's not almost 20. Yeah, it is. What year did it come out? It's not 20. It's at least... It's closer to 10 than 20. I'm Googling it right Come on, now. Anthony. Now's your time to shine. you got to beat Kevin to the Google. Going once. Going twice. Great radio right here. Oh, three. Oh, three. Okay, so 17. So I was wrong. I, I'm not wrong often, but I was wrong. I'm joking. I'm wrong all the time. But, yeah, all interesting. Right, you, all right, let's go. We got Charlie back. Four five seven nine four six four. Charlie, what's up? Justin, Elf came out in there three, man. Uh, you, you're late. You're late. People on Facebook <laughs> beat you to it, but you said it with confidence, so I believe that you knew it. You came in. You were you were ready to deliver that and help us out, so we appreciate that. Hey, you know what? There's actually a pretty cool – I don't know how nerdy you are, but I'm a pretty nerdy guy. There's uh, there's something on Netflix called Movies That Made Us, mm. and uh, they got a holiday edition, and, and it's uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas and Elf. And, uh, oh, they added they Elf? Huh? They added Elf to that? I've heard of that series before, and I didn't know they yeah. added Elf to it, because Home Alone's a part of that as well. Yes. Yeah, man, that was a good one, too. But uh, So, they when when he said he wanted to use Will Ferrell, they're like, Will Ferrell's never going to be a lead ever. Why would you even suggest him? Isn't that crazy? Like, to think about now. I know, that's like when people said that the Browns can't win with Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's the same type of situation. <laughs> uh, what are we going to do with this guy, Kev? You walked into that one. <laughs> all right. So, first of all, okay, yeah. So, you know are you calling about the AFC conversation? Okay. You have a commercial for your show mm-hmm. where you have somebody saying, uh, Justin Kenner is the only person I ever heard say the thing was being an offensive line. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because most people don't say obvious things. 
You know, I think more people need to say more obvious things, and people need to start listening to more obvious things because then maybe he wouldn't be injured. He'd be playing this weekend. Okay. Well, I got a new topic for you. Okay. Since you're like very selectively creating topics just so you can talk about how great the Browns are. Yeah, because Elf had so much to do with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. What are you talking about? You could talk about best quarterback in the AFC North under six foot tall. Um, <laughs> You know, like, I mean, you could rave all day about Baker Mayfield. He's easily the best quarterback under six foot tall. I mean, he might even be the best quarterback under 5'11 that's in the AFC North, you know. Right now he's playing the best. He's playing the best at that position in the AFC North right now. So I don't know what, why you're calling in talking smack. Are you serious? It's not. This isn't the, you know, Dayton Funny Bone. This is the Justin Kinder show. Good. He's played really good. He's played that position really, really well this year, and he's playing it at a higher level than Lamar and Big Ben are right now. Yes. He is not Lamar Jackson. You're right. He's not. He's Baker Mayfield. (laughs) He's so much worse than Lamar Jackson. But uh, if you're talking about dangerous teams, it's got to be the Ravens. It's got to be the Ravens. They've been flat-footed here for several weeks, but they had that little come-out party against Dallas, and they're coming for you, man. Yeah. Now, I know you made a whole season about getting excited for beating bad teams, but the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, I ain't going to give the Ravens that benefit of the doubt. I mean, they ain't bad. It's the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are really trying to, uh, you know, try to outperform the Bengals for embarrassing themselves this year. It's pretty bad. Hey, oh, yeah, they are pretty terrible. I was thinking also the Indiana-Ohio State argument. Yep. I could use Justin Henner to end that argument. Um, I don't know if you remember last year, uh, people were complaining about the playoffs, and you were saying the season is the playoffs. You have your opportunity when you play a team, you mm-hmm. beat them, and that's, that's how you get in, right? Yeah. You said that. Yeah. Indiana, like, that, that could end the argument immediately because Indiana had their chance. They couldn't beat Ohio State. They lost. So now, too bad. Now, like, like you, you know, I'm not really trying to get into a big debate about that only because I'm not mad that Ohio State's in the Big Ten title game, but I definitely can sympathize with with those who say that the Big Ten is wrong for changing the rule. Uh, I thought that uh, Ben Hartsock, former Buckeye, made a great point on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin this morning when he said when we t- he, he hears way too many teams and people keep throwing around the phrase, we need to be flexible, we need to be flexible. You'd be flexible with when it comes to safety protocol. You don't be flexible with rules that were put in place to come into a season that your athletic director voted upon and then change it because, hey, you know, it's going to give us a shot to make money. So I agreed with him on that. I thought that was a good point. We would be making that same argument if the SEC was doing what the Big Ten just did. Again, I'm fine with Ohio State being there. I'm not angry about it, but I definitely can understand those who argue against it. It's so easy, though, Justin. If Indiana would have beaten Ohio State, this would not even be an argument wouldn't even be, it's like, well, they beat them. Like, what can we can't do anything? I don't think this is about, I think we all know Ohio State's better than Indiana. No one's saying that Indiana's better than Ohio State. But that's, but that's what you said last year. You were saying that last year about, he's complaining about the playoffs. Last year has when nothing to do, no, 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 the scenarios are not even close to being the same. We're talking about a rule being changed to benefit Ohio State. That's it what we're should. talking about here. It should not. It, it should not. I'm okay with it happening because it's the team I like, so I'm fine with it. But I would be furious if we were watching, if we were the outside looking into the SEC and they did it. I would be against it. Like I'm not like arguing with you and saying that like you're wrong. I'm just saying like, I look, I 
I think it's kind of weird, but you know, it's always fine when it benefits your team. But if the SEC was well, doing this with Alabama, your tone, your tune yeah, would be it's different. It's been the Big Ten, and you know that. I mean, they've made every wrong decision you can make this year, and they finally get an opportunity to make one good decision. I don't even think Ohio State personally should be ranked ahead of Texas A&M. That's personal. Yeah. I mean, you're a nine and one team, and you've played an exclusive SEC schedule. I mean, I, how are you ranked behind a team that's only played five games? But as far as the Big Ten goes, they're clearly when they played in state that looked like practice. It's a joke. The Big Ten is a joke. You definitely should let Ohio State play for the Big Ten championship. I mean, it's so obvious to the best. People want to talk about that box score. Indiana only losing by a touchdown. That game was over at the beginning. No, they it was not. Ohio State. That was, I mean, look, that's the other reason Ohio State's also getting punished, and we have to go. I appreciate the call, Charlie. Ohio State's also not getting the benefit of the doubt because they looked bad in that game. You know, we're, we're sitting here saying, well, the, they do have a signature win. The one good team they played, they beat. But when you think about the worst game of the season that Ohio State had this year in their limited schedule, it was Indiana. They get, I mean, their defense looked absolutely horrible. The offensive line was not good. Justin Fields threw three interceptions. Like they, Ohio State was not good that day. I mean, they put 45 points up, but that's just talent. When talent overcomes mistakes, when you're the significantly better team, and we know, and you know, if Ohio State cleans up those mistakes, they blow Indiana out. I agree with you guys. All I'm saying is, is that at the end of the day. When they're when the committee's using the eye test and when the committee's doing those things, that's what comes back to haunt Ohio State when it's all said and done. But again, I'm happy, Kev, that they're in the Big Ten title game. I'm not mad that they're there. Mm-hmm. All I'm trying to say is that I can sympathize with those who are upset about it because I think that Indiana kinda they, they have a case to be upset here. Yeah, I but, agree. And the Big Ten's lucky that of the few games Ohio State got in, they're lucky that they got that game in. Mm-hmm. Because Indiana, if they were undefeated too, I would we still, uh, you know what I mean? Like if Indiana's six and zero and Ohio State's five and zero, the Big Ten would still be trying to finagle something to get Ohio State. Ooh, there. I hope not. That so. would be a bad look. All right, folks. We'll be uh, real quick. I do got to acknowledge this real quick. Okay, go for okay. it. Okay, okay. Chris, she, Debbie's gonna kill you, not me anyway. So that's Chris cool. says, uh, Justin, didn't you say a couple weeks ago that Burrow was better than Baker? A few weeks ago, when the when the Browns were handing the, or allowing Baker to only throw like twenty times, and Baker was just like not the reason the Browns are winning. I'm like, look, if Baker can be the reason that the Browns start winning, I will be more in favor of Baker Mayfield. At that time, yes, because Joe Burrow was playing the position better because he was throwing the ball more, and Joe Burrow is going to be a fantastic. He already is a great quarterback, but this Baker right here, if this is who he is moving forward, I'm taking Baker over Burrow. I I don't even feel bad saying it. And again, this is like my right state UD conversation the other day. Just because I say one player is good or better than the other or whatever, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that the other one's bad. I'm just saying that for my preference, I'm picking Baker Mayfield. So there you go. So, Chad, you're wrong. He says he won't acknowledge that. He won't remember saying that. I remember. I remember. There you go. And just like the Big Ten, I change the rules as we go. We'll be back in a moment. Head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show. We are giving away this Reds Hall of Fame induction commemorative microphone for the 
Well, multiple time Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman. Marty Brenneman actually signed a few of these that we are giving away. And the only way you can win these commemorative microphones honoring the Hall of Famer and legend broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds, Marty Brenneman, the only way you could win this microphone is by heading to Facebook, searching the Justin Kinner Show. You need to like the Justin Kinner Show page and then find the live feed and share it. Every time you, sh- not every time, but when you share it, your name is automatically put into the pool to potentially win this. We are going to, of course, reach out to the winner immediately following the show. And the only way you could win it, you can't call in, you can't, there's nothing. You have to go to Facebook, search the Justin Kenner Show, like the page, and actually share the post. That's all you got to do. Everyone has Facebook. I don't want to hear, oh, I don't have Facebook. Get Facebook. <laughs> It's not that hard to make a Facebook account. I literally have people who hate me so much that don't want to, like, hate me on their actual page, so they make a fake one, like yesterday, to to come at me and tell me how awful I am. And by the way, that's one way to do it. I always respect the people who tell me how bad I am using their own Facebook page. Like, that, 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 that's extra hate right there. So it is what it is. But we welcome you back. Justin Kidder, Kevin Ash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Again, a Marty Brenneman signed commemorative microphone uh, honoring what was supposed to be his Hall of Fame induction to the Reds Hall of Fame this past summer. Of course, they're going to be moving that back to next year, and I'm pretty sure they'll have a whole other new giveaway. Uh, but right now, they send us these to give away to you this holiday season. So Facebook, search the Justin Kinner Show, like the Justin Kinner Show page, and share the live video feed. Because you can listen to us at 1410wingam. You could stream us at wingam.com, but you could watch and interact and have fun with us on Facebook every day, and we always appreciate those who do. Um, I made a statement earlier. We were talking about the AFC, Kev, and uh, taking the division leaders out who's the most dangerous team remaining that's not leading the division I'm not taking a shot at the Pittsburgh Steelers you are a Steelers fan I think you could even acknowledge they're not playing very good football right now but no. that can change you know yeah, they, they, they can change but dropping the ball left and right uh, tons oh, of oh, that's what you get you yeah, know you, you, you need to do it that's ex- you know that's so funny that I, I didn't even think of that till now but that's exactly what you get stone they're, hands yeah they're leading the NFL in drops they had uh, 15 drops over the last two weeks um, one of my uh, quote unquote breakout stars of the season, Deontay Johnson, who was having a pretty good season, uh, just broke down with the case of the dropsies over the last two weeks. And then uh, Eric Ebron, our free agent tight end, who had a Pro Bowl season last year with the Colts, he's dropping everything left to right. Then our most dependable receiver, Juju Smith, has had three drops over the last two weeks. The star breakout receiver of the NFL, uh, Chase Claypool, he's dropping the ball. I don't know what's going on. Um, some people are chalking it up to three games in 12 days. I am not. You're paid to catch the ball. That's all you really do is catch the ball. So catch the ball. Uh, but you also have to give a lot of credit to the other teams. Um, the, the defensive line for the Washington football team caused havoc. They only rushed four guys, and they got pressure on Big Ben constantly in that game. Um, then you obviously look to the rivalry game that they had with the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, RG3 started in place of um, Lamar Jackson and everything like that. So, obviously, we're like, oh, man, they don't have Lamar. We're going to steamroll them. Uh, We didn't. Uh, It just has been a very rough and rocky road to get to 11-1. And And they got their covenants on, uh, when did they play? Tuesday? I don't even remember when they played, to be perfectly honest. What's today? It's Thursday. They played on Tuesday at 5 o'clock. So, it's weird. It was an crazy. off day for the NFL yesterday. <laughs> yeah, a weird, crazy season. Um, but I don't care, man. Stop dropping the ball. So with that, um, I made the statement earlier about Baker playing the best quarterback right now. 
uh, in the AFC North, and that's upset some. Philip Reed says, Big Ben, 2020 stats. He's completed 66% of his passes. He's thrown for 3,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. Baker Mayfield, 62%, but he's thrown for 2,400 yards, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. How is Baker better than Ben this year? Now, not doing this to get Steelers fans all riled up because Ben's not having a bad year by any means, but let's be clear, Baker... Uh, Big Ben has thrown the ball like 470-something times. He has thrown the ball 160 more times than ben, than than Baker Mayfield. Um, Baker's completion percentage, that's the part that, that's like the, that's a glaring issue right there. Mm-hmm. But as far as impact is concerned, he, uh, Big Ben has thrown the ball 160 more times than Baker Mayfield has this year. That's six games worth of throws for Baker Mayfield, who averages about 25. So, I don't want to hear about, oh, Big Ben has more passing yards. He should have more passing yards. He's thrown the ball 160 more times. Big Ben's good. He's having a good season. I do believe if Baker's numbers would eclipse Big Ben's if he got to throw that many times. But the reason he can't throw that many times is because the coach is terrified to give him the keys to the car. But if you've noticed, as the season has gone on, they have given Baker more and more leash each and every week. And they're basically saying, okay, we're going to give you... I mean, parents do that with their kids all the time. All right, we're going to let you stay out a little bit longer. We usually want you home by 10. We're going to let you stay out till 11. Mm-hmm. Don't make me regret it. You know, your parents yeah. said, don't make me regret it. If you follow that curfew, we'll talk about later moving forward. That's what we're doing with Baker here. That's what Kevin Stefanski's Okay. I've given you a little bit to see how you can handle it. We do that at our jobs every day. Our bosses do that with you all the time. Let's give him some more more work, see how he does. If he starts getting overwhelmed, we'll ease it back. Nope. That's, and, and that's what the Browns are doing. And every time they give him a little more, they give him a little more, he's knocking it out of the park. Baker's doing what everyone said he couldn't do, and that was, of course, improve, stop turning the ball over. Like the completion percentage, that's still a problem. But turning the ball over is even more of a problem. And he hasn't turned the ball over in weeks. Uh, well, fumble. He did fumble. But I'm talking about the interceptions. Mm-hmm. Like That's the number one thing that they were trying to get under control. I'm sorry. I'm not saying Big Ben's bad. But Baker has played probably pretty equal. I know that's going to drive people nuts. I'm sitting across from a Steelers fan. I'm saying this in as little of a, um, a trolling way as possible. But I truly believe that Baker has actually been right up there with Ben as playing some of the best quarterback quarterbacking I don't know how to word that you know what I'm saying he's played the best yeah, in that position yeah I, I agree um you can't take a new thing away from the way Baker Mayfield's been playing over these last couple weeks I will say this about the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Browns their offenses are completely different the Steelers basically are running four or five wide receivers doing a short passing game and using that short passing game to spark the running game because they have zero running game yep hence the Browns have the best running attack in the NFL. So you would be stupid to be passing the ball as many times as the Pittsburgh Steelers do if you had the running game that the Browns have. So in if the Browns had the mediocre running game that the Steelers had, Baker would be throwing the ball a lot more. It, it's it's they they're doing what they have to do to win. The Let me ask Steelers you are passing quick. the ball because they can't run it. Now I know what you're saying. We had this debate a while back. Because when I was getting, I was critical of Baker. Baker was driving me nuts. I was like, I said this before. I was very critical of Baker. Yes. Folks, I'm not going to deny it. I wanted them to trade him at the deadline <laughs> because of how they were using him in regards to, I was like, well, they're barely, they're only letting him average about 20 to 23 passes a game. They're terrified to let him throw the ball, obviously. And I know you have a good run game, but the run, I've always said the run game is always good enough to get you to the playoffs, but it's quarterback play that's going to get, allow you to win in the playoffs. He, the, the run game will get you there, but Baker's going to be why you don't succeed if you're only going to let him throw it 20 times a game. So I was like, go get Matt Ryan. If you're, if you're saying that he can't throw the ball, go get Matt Ryan. Go get Matthew Stafford. Go do what you got to do. But since then, they have given him more and more responsibility mm-hmm. each week, and he has not turned the ball over. Right. 
and he's done nothing but win. He's done nothing but win. That Steelers game, that's what they are trying to shake the perception of now moving forward. They have a chance with the Ravens coming up on Monday. If they could, sh- if if they they have to win. Yeah, and if they lose, it needs to be close, and they need to look like they belonged in that game with the with the Baltimore Ravens. They cannot like the problem I had heading into the Titans game was that every time the the Browns had played anyone of significance, it's like every time we started to feel like oh they're turning that corner, they just showed the gap between them and what a good opponent mm-hmm. is. The gap between them and the Steelers when they faced one another, it was like it was depressing to me. I was like I I'm ready for the NFL season to be done. This is stupid. I was so angry. Uh, the same thing in Week One with the Ravens. I'm like oh it's going to be a long year, but. They showed me something against the Titans. They showed that, hey, we're not trying to play to you. We're trying to make you play to us. And if right. they keep that confidence going, they'll be fine. But I wanted to ask you this. You talked about the, play, you know, Big Ben. He's throwing that much because they don't have a run game. If he had a run game, he wouldn't throw as much. Maybe. But what about Patrick Mahomes? Mm-hmm. When, you have Pat, when you have a good passing quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, guys like that, and if Baker keeps on the... I'm not saying you don't want to run the ball. You've got to find a better balance. But yeah. I feel like they are overrunning the ball at times because Baker can't throw, but they've kind of balanced it out more over the last couple of weeks, and now they look like a different team. They've always, they've been good all year, good, solid team, but they look well above good right now getting the balance from Baker Mayfield the last couple of weeks. What's really happening, well, at least what from my vantage point, is they're sticking with the run game. They're sticking with the run game, especially with Chubb, because if you watch the games in the first halves and of games mm-hmm. is really Nick Chubb's not popping big runs, you know. Uh, but it's that fourth quarter where he ends up popping the forty, <clears throat> a sixty-yard run, though, two, and, three yards of carry, and, and then he boom. punches you in the mouth. And yep. then with Baker, a lot of the times is it's really not the intermediate passes that he's hitting that's really killing him. It's the big play, and the big play is there because the run game is so potent. So you only really are playing with one high safety. So they put another safety in the box to take away from that run game. So you then you're leaving receivers one-on-one coverage. And you're relying on Larry Jones and Donovan Peoples-Jones to make the plays downfield. And that's what they're doing. Um, the Obviously, the short ones that Baker's missing, like in the red zone, are things that he's still working on. And I'm sure as Browns fans, people are getting ticked off at. But at the end of the day, they're 9-3. and three. He's a quarterback of the 9-3 and three team. He just balled out versus Tennessee last week and now he has another opportunity to ball out versus the Ravens like they win this game they're I, I don't even know if it's 100% in the playoffs I pretty much believe that the Browns are in the playoffs 100% right now but you get to a 10 and 3 hello playoffs and that's all you can ask for at this point right Absolutely. Real quick, again, we are live on Facebook. Uh, I want to go back to the Facebook uh, reaction right there. Uh, Mike Wallace says, pass-heavy offense, Steelers, they need a better run game. And that goes back to the, you know, Connor, I believe I read he's supposed to be back yeah. this week. But so. it's not It's not just James Connor. It's, it's the fact that Pouncey's out as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pouncey's out. Um, but that's no excuse for them to only be averaging two yards a carry. Like, I look at that watching the football game. Where, I mean, as we all love Chase Young and everything like that, go Buckeye Nation, yada, yada, yada. But I wasn't rooting for Chase Young then to come down the line of scrimmage and, <laughs> and stuff my running back on fourth and one. Like, they can't get fourth and ones. Like, they're literally throwing the ball on fourth and one because they can't get a push with the offensive line. I don't care who you got back there running the ball. You can have Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, name your Hall of Fame running back. If your offensive line isn't doing anything to open up holes or just playing at a stalemate, 
to for your running back to do anything. You're not going to pop any runs. You're not going to get four or five yards of carry. The things that the offensive line that the Browns are doing opened up gaping holes for Nick Chubb and company. That's what you ideally want. But at worst, you want them dudes doing a stalemate yeah. so you can do something. I do think once Pouncey gets back and Connor gets back, the run game will be improved. But to improve to the level of the Browns, no way. I mean, you're not going to go to the 29th running offense to the number one running offense. You want to go from 29th to maybe 18, and that, maybe. But here's the deal. Pittsburgh hasn't been a good running team in a while. Right. Like, I heard this stat today. I I didn't do my homework. I just happened to hear this, and it, it was alarming to me. You know, I always say that the, the Steelers, when Le'Veon Bell was available, why wouldn't they make a heavier push to go get him? I always said that their ego, you know, they think, oh, we're just going to build our own running backs. And that, you know, I was like, well, Connor's not terrible, but you should still. Since he left, mm-hmm. the Steelers have been 31, yeah. 29, and are currently 20. In the three years since Le- the Steelers lost Le'Veon Bell, they've been one of the two worst rushing teams in football. Like, I know you want to do it your way, yeah. but sometimes... You kind of got to bend, but don't break a little bit. Uh, it, so they're going to have to figure that out in the offseason. But I will say this. So when I bring up the Browns when it comes to this situation, I'm looking at it as, okay, the beginning of the year, Steelers head and shoulders better than the Browns because they were very they were healthy, just like everyone is. And kind of at this point, it's a, you know, who's healthy, who's kind of got in their stride a little bit. But at the beginning, the Steelers had a good run game. They were healthy. They had the good defense. Yeah. So you had the receivers playing well along with the run game. Big Ben looked a lot more comfortable. Now they're putting it all on the shoulders of an older Big Ben with no run game. That's the problem. When you ask if the Browns are better than the Steelers right now, I don't know if they're necessarily better, but I'd say it's pretty damn even right now and actually maybe a tad better because the the Steelers don't have an identity right now. You can't say it's their defense because a lot of their top defensive guys are out. But they right. have just enough experience to help carry the load. And it's add not- this to the list. Uh, Vince Williams, starting linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, added to the COVID list. So now, out of the four starting linebackers, because they run a 3-4, only one, Watt. He's the only one that started the season. is still out there. But, you know, that's no excuse. That's 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 football. People get hurt. And in a COVID year, people are going to get COVID and they're going to miss games. All right, back to more of the Facebook reaction here. Uh, Matt Sturgeon says Steelers are missing Connor Bad, as we talked about. Uh, Vic Morrow, where did he go? Vic Morrow says, I just pulled you uh, just pulled you knuckleheads up on Facebook. How cool is this? This is cool. This is one of our favorite things that we started doing. Uh, you know, when you you know, right now at all of our jobs during COVID. We all are going to come out on the other side doing things differently at our job that we did before. One of them was this. This was something we were able to finagle up during the time that we're just sitting at home, just racking our brains on what thing, what are some things we could do differently. I agree, Vic. This is pretty cool. Again, he's talking about we are live on Facebook. Go to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show. You can watch the show daily. Everyone has Facebook. Go there. Again, we're giving away this Marty Brenneman signed commemorative microphone that they were going to give away at the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. Of course, uh, putting Marty in the Hall of Fame for the Cincinnati Reds. We're giving it away to you. The only way you'll be eligible to win, though, is by going to Facebook, liking the Justin Kinner Show page, and then, of course, sharing the live feed. So, Vic, thank you uh, for tuning in on here. Matt says, Justin, do you think Baker can win a playoff game while throwing the ball 35 times? Um, what, what did he just throw against the Titans, Kev? I, I don't even remember uh, what the exact amount was. But either way, for one, I don't think that the teams in the AFC, the, the, like outside of the Chiefs, 
I think that there's no gap after the Chiefs. Everyone that's behind the Chiefs, there's really not a big gap between any of those teams. I think the Browns could beat anyone in the AFC right now except the Chiefs. Except the Chiefs. Pittsburgh, still Pittsburgh. I think that the aura of Pittsburgh is going to be why uh, you know the, the Browns could struggle against them. But I think outside of Kansas City, the only team that I'd be concerned about um, is the Kansas City Chiefs if I'm the Cleveland Browns. Kev, who we got? We got Bob. Bob, welcome in. Bob, how are you? Hey, what's happening, fellas? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, I, I think um, what's and this is this is no knock on Baker. I, I think it was excellent coaching for them to throw on the Titans. And the reason why, just like the Bengals, the Titans don't have a pass rush. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably more of the thinking going into that ball game. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's uh, we we don't have to worry about the pass rush. They're not very good at covering either. So if nothing else, let's just open it up that way. And I think that's what was more predicated on that ball game, just like the uh, the Bengals games. You know, they came out throwing as opposed to running, which everybody would have expected them to do, which is really outstanding coaching because that's what you're supposed to do. What is the weakness of the defense? Let's take advantage of that. I think that was probably more of it. I think when you get teams that can actually rush the passer like a Baltimore, I don't think you'll see that. I think they have to pass, you know, in order to um, – have a chance to win that ball game, which they do have a chance to win that game, or against the Pittsburgh, but I just think it's opponent. That's what I see when I look at Cleveland and how they're, uh, you know, how they decide whether or not how many times Baker's going to throw or whether he's going to come out front. Because Tennessee does not rush the passer. They don't cover either. The fact the Bengals blew them out, and it was because of that, because they couldn't get to Burrow. But I think that's a lot of what Baker's situation is, as opposed to Pittsburgh. Where, like you guys said, they they can't run the ball. They some kind of way they're going to have to find some kind of running game, uh, but they just can't run the ball. So they do what they have to do. No, yeah, and again, getting Connor back now for the Steelers is pretty good for them because they'll have a few weeks to get him re-implemented back into the offense and be able to kind of establish some kind of uh, momentum or at least some kind of chemistry kind of heading in to the postseason. But right now, Pittsburgh, the reason that that you know finishing that with that number one seed was so important to them was because they are one of the oldest teams in football, and that getting that by, especially for Big Ben, would have been very important for them. Absolutely, absolutely. I think. Uh you know, other than Kansas City, I think Buffalo is. Um, I think Buffalo is going to be a handful too because uh, Josh Allen looks like he's actually putting the ball where it needs to be put instead of overthrowing or throwing too hard. But uh, Cleveland has a shot just like anybody else. You know, I mean, all you all you can do is get in, and then once you get in, anybody's got a shot at that point. But uh, I, I would like to, you know, again, even as a Bengal fan, you know, for the Browns, continue to do what you do. You know. Um, of course, people are going to be on the line, you know, trying to stop your run. They usually do that against the Browns, like you guys mentioned, in the first half. And then after those guys get a little worn down, then you see Chubb and them guys break out. But, you know, take advantage of what, what you need to do. I, I thought it was brilliant coaching against Tennessee, the fact that they came out throwing, because Tennessee does not rush the passer. Baker had, you know, he had like 10 hours to throw the ball. Well, yeah. The good news is, too, that. and Bob, I appreciate the call. Thank you. We just have to hit this break. we got Sully coming up here uh, in a few moments. Uh, but the, the good news about that, and Bob, you hit the nail on the head, I, I, it's just it's good, solid coaching. The one thing about Kevin Stefanski is, is if he knows the opponent's going to be an opponent that Baker can throw a lot against and be comfortable, he's going to allow that to happen. If it's going to be against a team like the Raiders, who had a pretty decent pass rush, and somebody, he doesn't throw as much. Against the, uh, against the Raiders, Kev, when you look at how many times that Kevin Stefanski has allowed Baker 
Baker to throw. He threw the ball 25 times against the Raiders. Houston has a pretty good pass rush. He threw the ball 20 times against Houston. Now, weather was a part of, he played a big role in both of those matchups. Uh, but even against Philly, Philly has some big hogs up front. He threw the ball 22 times. The last two weeks, 29, 33. I think as he's getting more comfortable, they're letting him throw more and more. Keep in mind, if the playoffs started today, the Browns would play the Titans. And see, this is why I don't like the division leaders hosting, by the way. Poor Cleveland's going to have to go to a team that they already beat this year. It's like the NFC East. You know, you hear that Schroeder, your Titans are like the NFC East. A team that doesn't deserve to host a home game going to be hosting the Cleveland Browns. Could be, actually, maybe not. Actually, Cleveland could be hosting a home game. I, pretty, I, I bet on them on that happening, actually. What? I, I got nothing, bro. Uh, Vic Morrow says, I am a heavily, uh, uh, he goes, I am heavily opinionated. I might call into the show twice. He said, Mike Francesa, uh, where'd it go? He says, Mike Francesa has hung up on me twice. I'm honored. Mike Francesa is one of the, he's the godfather, man. I met him in New York back in February. And he has no problem telling That's me how That's back when you caught the Rona, right? I, th- I had it before. I think I had it before I was. was popular. I think I brought it to New York. I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was Rona before it was cool to be Rona, right? Like, uh, But, no, Vic, you're always welcome to call in. We'd love to have you call in. 457-9464. Dennis on Facebook says, uh, you guys are awesome. Listen to you guys every day on my way home from work. Dennis, we're glad to have you on here with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in on the Facebook feed. Uh, we appreciate that as well. All right, folks, we'll get back into the some NFL discussion coming up around the corner. The Dayton Flyers have a huge matchup coming up on Saturday, non-conference matchup. They're getting closer to the end of the non-con before tipping off in a 10 play. Mississippi State up next, a noon tip-off. Sully's going to be live at uh, Timothy's Bar and Grill Saturday morning starting at 10 a.m. for the Talking Out Loud pregame show, the Talking Out Loud uh, Dayton Flyers basketball hour coming up immediately following our show, and Sully joins us next. Don't go anywhere. Everybody, we welcome you back, Justin Kinner. No, Kev Nash, right? I'm here. Oh, you are here for a couple seconds. No, uh, you know what? I, I'm a one man show right now. Peace. And you are gone. As in three, two. Wait, where the hell did it go? Hold up. Time out. You, you're not. Got, oh, there we go. Look, just like that, I'm by myself. There you go. Four, five, seven, nine, four, six. Four. We'll get back to your phone calls coming up here around the corner. Uh, this Saturday, Sully, with the host of the Talking Out Loud Hour, which is coming up immediately following our show, talking all things Dayton Flyers basketball. He's going to be coming up next, but he's going to be live at Timothy's Bar and Grill this Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for the Talking Out Loud Dayton Flyers pregame show as the Flyers get set to take on Mississippi State, their first road non-conference game of the season. Sully joins us now. Sully, how are you? We're still talking, right? We're good. Oh yeah, we're we're still good. I um, you know, I'm I'm always fascinated by how many people just really think that you dump on Dayton constantly. I never paid much mind to it, man. A voice you know? of reason. Finally, a voice. Now, I don't know if Chuck, if Chicken Chuck, if you're listening, if I don't know if he's still talking to me or not. He's who I'm worried about. Larry at Milano's. I'm worried about him too. Uh, but you know, we're, we're you know, I, I'm just it's, it's all about keeping the peace. You know what's funny? Sully is Lamar on Facebook. He just says, make sure you talk about the Flyers the same way you do on Facebook. So you know, he's a assuming that I don't keep it consistent on both. I mean, I'm not taking a shot at the Flyers. But let's talk about your date Flyers, which I'm excited about Saturday, by the way, 10 o'clock at, Tim, at Timothy's Bar and Grill. Yeah, uh, early beers at Timothy's. Uh, socially distant, of course, keeping it safe, under the guidelines, all that good stuff. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show Saturday. Looking forward to the game Saturday. It's um, 
it, it's going to be a slow kind of, I feel like, methodical defensive type game. And that doesn't sound all that exciting, but I kind of have bad news for people if they're fans of the Flyers. We're going to see a lot of those games this year. Like, just like offensive slugfests with bad shooting. You've already seen it. I mean, they scored 66, 64, and 66 in their first three games. So that should be a little bit of an indicator of how this season is going to go from um, a box score perspective, right? Yeah, and and... (laughs) And look, at this point, too, you know, I had to, like, set the, uh, I, you know, I had to calm everyone down yesterday and basically tell people that I'm not being unrealistic here, that for us to expect UD to just to pick up where they left off last year, I mean, that's delusional. That was never going to be the case. Uh, not only are they without an NBA lottery pick and Obi Toppin, they're without, obviously, Trey Landers and Ryan Mikesell, who I think are even bigger blows to, to this team not having them this year than Obi Toppin at this point. So this is a team that, although there's familiar faces on this roster, it's a completely different team because even the familiar faces, they have completely new roles that they're trying to figure out. Jalen Crutch is a fantastic player, but I think he's learning quickly that he's having to relearn how to play on the floor without Obi Toppin. That's not a shot at him. That's just the reality of not having an NBA lottery pick playing alongside you the way he did a year ago. Yeah, and I mean, he definitely had his struggles as the guy that, um, that you know has to be the man this year, right? And we kind of talked about that a lot, just me and you, about how we expect Jalen Crusher to be the man, and, and he's played uh, he's played pretty average so far, to be honest, which for anybody else, that would be totally fine for him. It's just not going to get it done because he's so important to the lineup. Um, but I talked about on the front half of the show this evening coming up, like the top three issues um, that are facing the Flyers right now. And really it kind of starts and ends with their bench depth and just their depth of rotation overall. And the Flyers are getting 72% of their scoring from three guys right now. You know, Crutcher, Watson, and Chase Johnson. And, I mean, that's just not going to be able to sustain over a three-month season heading into 8-10 play, especially in 8-10 play when coaches know, you know, the kind of style that Dayton plays or the kind of style Anthony Grant plays, right? Um, but I, I bring this all full circle to say the bench issues are, are layered. Like, there's many layers of them. You know, why aren't we seeing the freshmen on the floor? Why are they getting passed up by uh, a kid that's a walk-on? It's not that against a walk-on, but, you know, those guys that are on scholarship should be getting minutes. So you have that layer of it. You have the freshmen that are getting minutes kind of look like they're unprepared. And then the third layer of it kind of started a few months ago was when Dwayne Cotill uh, tore his ACL. And, um, you know, all of those things have kind of added up. And then you look down the end of the bench after the seven guys that have gotten considerable minutes and you say, who else is going to score for this team? And I think that's the biggest question facing Dayton heading into the fourth game here on Saturday. Mississippi State, I know you have a reporter for them coming up uh, on your show immediately following ours. What is, and I haven't even looked into anything on Mississippi State, what are some of the things that you've looked at as far as this team coming up? What are some of the threats that they are going to provide UD as they look to, again, just try to continue to improve each game? Yeah, you want the good news or the bad news first? What do you want to do? Uh, well, I, I've been very negative towards UD fans lately, so I need to give them some <laughs> positives. So let's do some positives. Start with the good news. Rip it. You know, let's let's do it. The good news. Um, Mississippi State's offensive approach and their style of approach is very similar to UD. Um, where they're, like I said earlier, we're going to see a slow game and it's going to be a low-scoring game, a defensive battle. Um, but secondarily, it's a very young, inexperienced Mississippi State team. Um, their entire lineup, for the most part, is underclassmen, and they only have two seniors on the roster that are even getting minutes out of ten people who have played through their first five games. So you got a really young team 
um, and a really inexperienced team because Dayton is uh, a veteran team, but they are inexperienced. And I know that, that sounds like kind of contradictory, but what I mean is like Dayton has a group of veterans. Um, they just aren't experienced playing with each other, whereas Mississippi State has a group of young guys that have never played with each other. So I think that's going to be the difference because remember like the SMU game we sat here last week and I said, Dayton's got to have that killer instinct because SMU lost a lot of games down the stretch last week, and it could happen again this week because, or sorry, it could happen again this week to the Flyers because they were that team, and now SMU's learned from their mistakes, and sure enough, that happened. So the good news is that, you know, Mississippi State's bringing in a team that hasn't quite figured out the score, uh, how to score, and they're a bunch of young guys. So I can get into the bad news if you'd like. I'll set you up for the bad news. And, folks, you know, I'm not the one saying this. It's solely I have no clue what he's about to say. But give him the bad news. Give him the bad news. The bad news is that Mississippi State, through five games, is the seventh-best offensive rebounding team in the country. <laughs> and anyone that's watched the Flyers in the first three games knows that they're not too good at rebounding, you know, for a lot of different reasons. It's just not their strong suit. And, frankly, it's probably not going to be this year. Um, so just like Northern Kentucky, who got after the boards, and I think they ended up in double digits with offensive rebounds, even though UD out-rebounded them because they missed, like, you know, three, five shots or something like that. Um, it, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be frustrating, and I really have always said this. There's nothing more frustrating as a basketball fan than watching another team get consistent offensive rebounds. And unfortunately, uh, that's, that's going to be the case uh, coming up on Saturday. All right, solely host of Talking Out Loud with us here on the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. Uh, the Dayton Flyers will be back in action coming up Saturday, a noon tip-off. Now, they're they're on the road. Um, and, again, we're just right now in that holding pattern where you just hold your breath and just hope that every time you check Twitter and wake up in the morning that you don't see some kind of positive uh, or some kind of news about a, you know, a positive test with the program, not just for UD, but obviously for Mississippi State coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I do that a lot, um, and, and even up until Friday night last week, and you know, for the radio show, I was kind of checking Twitter for exactly what you're talking about, like just wondering if it's you know if it's going to get canceled, what's going to happen. Um, I, I do know that the Flyers are traveling down to Atlanta tomorrow. Um, for fans that aren't aware, I mean, it's not a true away game. They're going to Atlanta to play Mississippi State, so it's um, you know it, it's a neutral site. But I guess it doesn't really matter at all when no one's in the stands. They could play the game. Florida or California or Alaska it would make any difference. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I find myself checking social media all the time, but, um, you know, from what I hear right now, UD's been clean. They've kept the bubble tight. Uh, there's nobody on campus, as you know, the students that are, that are left. We saw that last week or, or kids that kind of live in the, the landlord houses and whatnot. So, you know, I've said this, this issue kind of came up today in the last couple of days when Coach K was talking about pushing back the season, but... To be honest with you, man, like, I don't really understand that argument because I just, I haven't seen anything to logically to back up the notion that college kids are going to be safer at home, or, and I'm talking about college basketball players, sorry, that they're going to be safer at home than with their teams, traveling with their teams, being near medical staff and, and getting tested every day. So, you know, the notion that, that we should have paused the season or something like that, I just don't buy into it. I say that you stay the course, you know, you follow the protocols, you do what's safe to keep all the players healthy, and and you keep moving forward, right? I, I feel like that's a logical approach. But, you know, one man's opinion, you're on the radio, brother. Well, you're 
you're a fan of a team that's also not one and two. I think uh, if the Flyers were one and two, uh, like Duke at this point, then maybe Anthony Grant would be calling for the the you know the stoppage of the CA. Who knows? Hey, real quick, because after the show on Saturday again, we did the pregame at uh, Timothy's Bar and Grill last Saturday. Doing it again this weekend. You actually, uh, you know, it's it's a tough ticket. UD is always a tough ticket in town to get, but it's even more so now uh, because you have to be one of the like the elitist of the elite uh, season ticket holders, or yourself being solely knowing good people in high places. So you got to go to the game this past Saturday. How weird was it? Because, you know, it's one thing if, you know, UDs, you're used to going to a game that the arena's not full, but that it, it it was weird watching it at home. How weird was it being in the arena watching it, an actual Dayton Flyers game, a year after the most electric season that you can remember in your lifetime? How weird was that being in the arena on Saturday watching that game? <laughs> it was bizarre, man. Um, and, and I talked about this on the, the whole uh, long I did 70 minutes of podcast today. We got it shortened down to 45 for radio, right? So if you want to listen to this whole story, listeners, uh, check out Talking Out Loud, L-O-W-D, wherever you listen to podcasts. But uh, it was super weird, man. And there was two aspects of it, right? Like, watching the game was definitely bizarre. But more weird than that um, was going to the arena. Because, you know, we wrapped up with that show, what, at 1.30, uh, I, we cleaned things up and then got out of there. I think I left the bar at Tim's at 1.47, and I got to the arena and I heard the national anthem for a 2 o'clock tip. I mean, it was it was just the weirdest thing ever. Like, there, you know, Stewart Street Bridge was like a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. There was nobody there, and that part really shook me. Um, and then, you, of course, you get into the arena and it kind of feels like uh, you're going to watch a practice. Like, that, that's kind of what it feels like to start out. Um, and, and, you know, the band's not there, and there's really no noise going on. Um, and, but what I really liked was it kind of brought me back to my college days, and I got to yell at the referees a lot. That was, that was great, man. Honestly, it was the best thing ever. Nothing um, better than having a beer in your hand and screaming at a ref. I mean, that, 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 yeah. that's the good old days right there. It was, man, yeah. So the refs heard me uh, loud and clear. Uh, my message was heard across the entire arena. Um, but it was super bizarre, and I'll wrap up in saying this about the entire experience. You know, I'm a diehard fan. You know that about me. 30 years old, 30 years of watching Dayton basketball. As soon as I could watch watch basketball, you know, I've, I've always been into the team, and, and I love my show because it's a, it's a fan show. It's by a fan, and that's really why I make it. It's like four fans. And I found myself getting so into the game towards the end there because you saw it. It was a good game. It was a one-possession game for, what, like the last four or five minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of found myself getting so into the game that the crowd around me, uh, or lack thereof, and kind of the atmosphere, it didn't matter as much, right? And I have to assume that the, the players are like that, too, where you get on the floor, you can hear yourself dribbling the ball during warm-ups. Okay, that's weird. There's no band playing. That's weird. But when there's five minutes to go and you're down one and you got the ball coming up the floor, I, I just I highly doubt that even enters into your mind anymore. And that's kind of what I felt as a fan. Like last week, remember, we talked to Ryan Mitel, and he said, crossing over uh, that threshold to being a fan is kind of different. But in this case, you know, we're so similar. When you're getting into the game and there's a couple minutes left and you need a bucket, man, I found myself watching the game just like every other day in UD Arena. <laughs> I, I saw Mike Sells tweet out that he said, uh, well, he goes, they're 0-1 with me here as a fan post-playing days. So uh, there, there is yeah. that uh, with him. Hey, said, last thing, too, here on this, too. So they piped the crowd noise into the actual arena. I always thought the piped-in crowd noise uh, came through the broadcast. They're actually, is that like at football, too? Like, is that is that how it is for all sports right now? I always assumed it was a broadcast feature. 
<laughs> no, so I, I don't know because I, this is my first sporting event that I've been to, you know, since things shut down, obviously, I haven't had any opportunities as there been to be at sporting events. And I saw that tweet that you sent out, I think, like, during, this was during the game, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you sent that tweet out during the game, and I was, and, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so bizarre when you're in the, like, when you're in the arena. Like, when you're on the on television, I found myself, I've watched a lot of sports this year. I haven't found myself minding too much on television. Have you? No. Not really. Okay. Like, yeah, okay, like, yeah. I, I'm just focused on the game. Like, you know, it is weird, but yeah, I agree. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I... It, when it's on television, it doesn't really bother me because that's traditionally how you would consume that television, right? Um, it's not really any different from the norm. And typically on a television broadcast, like especially basketball, you can't see more than, like, what, 10 rows that are right off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, my gosh, dude, when you are in the arena and you listen to that, like, because, you know, you the arena, the, the speakers come, like, just, like, downwards at you. They're not like they're on the walls or anything. And it just kind of looks like someone's yelling at you from the ceiling. I don't, it, it's, it's very hard to describe, but it is infinitely more weird when you're in the arena. There's no doubt about it, man. All right. Well, Sully, he is uh, coming up next, immediately following our show, Talking Out Loud. Uh, again, an entire hour on radio dedicated to Dayton Flyers men's basketball talk. He'll get you set, of course, for the Flyers in Mississippi State coming up on Saturday. Now, here's the deal, Sully. I know your your peeps are mad at me, and that's totally fine, but they, they need to play good enough on Saturday so that Kenner can stop thinking that Wright State could beat them. Do you understand me? Like that, it's, it's, I know. They, they, I know. They hold the power in their hands, that being that basketball. But they, they need to convince me of that because NKU, Eastern Illinois, I'm not taking a shot at UD, but Wright State's better than those two teams that they played. So if those two teams can hang around, I know Wright State can hang around, and I know Wright State can make it interesting at the end. So I'm not taking a shot. I'm just giving some respect to Wright State, saying, hey, you can hang with this team. Now, last year would have been a different story, but this year, you know. But they need to convince me on Saturday that that's not the case. I'll, I'll cover your butt right here, man. Uh, Saturday's a show and prove day for the Flyers. They have the talent to get it done. Whether they put it all together to get it done, we'll see. But it's the first game to sixty or first team to sixty-five type of game. Um, we'll see. Show and prove Saturday, man. That's what it's going to be. All right, Sully. See you Saturday. All right, brother. We'll see you then. All right, that's, again, that's Sully with Talking Out Loud. He is coming up next, and uh, that wraps it up for us. Kev, real quick, bring you back on for some parting words. Appreciate yeah. uh, your work. Again, we're giving away wet wipes. I grabbed the wrong thing. Those yeah, are pretty yeah, valuable. Yeah, those are pretty valuable, too. Uh, so, again, this Marty Brenneman commemorative microphone. We are going to be giving this away, so make sure that you are checking your face. If you shared this with your Facebook page today, we are going to be reaching out to you. We're going to be doing this today and tomorrow. I'm going to give one away tonight, the other one tomorrow, uh, and the other one next week sometime. But if you shared the page today, be checking your Facebook account because I'm going to be reaching out to a winner through the Facebook page that they shared it with. Thank you, everyone, for participating. We're going to do this again tomorrow. Had fun today. Not really a hot take day, which is good. I needed (laughs) to take a break, but, you know. Yeah, I didn't know if Sully was still talking to me or not. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys smoothed it out? Uh, I mean, uh, again, he never had a problem with it, I guess, but, like, you know, he's just not as sensitive as others. So that's good. Oh, that's couldn't, good. Couldn't, you couldn't resist. I, it is what it is. All right, folks, have a great night. Until tomorrow, it's been the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. Ooh. Go Browns. Huh? I'm Scott. I'm a 
a Park National Banker and I'm a community board member. At Park National Bank, we believe that we're more than our job titles, and you're more than an account number. Now, bringing our family of community banks together under a single brand name 